And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Pleasant night at the ballpark last night, as it probably should be when you face the White Sox. Obviously more exciting because Grayson Rodriguez looks great and hopefully is defying any thought that innings could be an issue. Remains to be seen. It's always that sort of thing that's in the back of my mind. I wish I could. I wish I had the ability. Somebody tells me it's the Virgo in me. We are. We have entered Virgo season, by the way. Big time for your pal. Have a birthday coming up. Number redacted. I think I know what it is. I think everybody. I've been telling everybody all year how old I am, and I've, I'm not actually I haven't been that age yet. I'm still not positive, but I think I know. No, but it's the the the, the nice part about having a later in the year birthday is that like you just start adjusting to the age that you're about to be. Mm. So by this point, somebody's like, "Dude, is it messing with you? You're about to turn 40." I'm like, "I've been telling people I've been 40 for a year. I I've I felt 40 since January, so now I, who cares? It's over." All of my friends turned 40 this year. I've been to like eight different 40th birthday parties, events of some sort. Man, this is nice now. Like now it's just like, oh, right, you weren't even 40. You were just a liar. So I'm good. I'm totally good with it. Uh, But the Virgo in me is the guy, like I'm not capable of just shutting off the other part of my brain. Like I, I have to think about the other thing. So I, like when everybody else is just able to unapologetically enjoy and revel in Grayson Rodriguez's success, I'm the guy that's just like, yeah, but, like, is he going to have enough in the arm that you can pitch him in October? Like, that's all I can think about in those moments. And does that make me a bad person? I don't know. I think there are other things that might make me a bad person, so maybe that one's not the one. But it was great. He was brilliant. One hit over six innings. Two base runners in six innings. May it forever be that way. Even when they face the real teams. No offense. I would like that uh, to also be the case when they face actual baseball teams. Uh, Orioles get a half game on the Rays. Now you say, okay, well, that's only because the Rays were off. But the good news is we've talked about this a few times, right? Like the Orioles have had the games in hand. So this is one of those games in hand that they've had. Who do you think is calling? What's uh, area code 440? 440. Where's 440? That's not Pennsylvania. That sounds like uh, uh, Pittsburgh, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Is Pittsburgh calling? Is Merrill Hodge calling me? Uh, It is is, uh, northeast Ohio. Northeast Ohio. So around Cleveland. Hmm. Who would be calling from Cleveland? What do you think is going on out there that somebody needs to get in touch with me? Um, well, eh, it's gone Guardian, now. Guardians with you, I guess. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Has I to be. couldn't tell you. Moral of the story is the Orioles get a win, and because they had the games in hand, that's the that is the the sort of the thing now. There's only one game in hand left against the Rays. So the Rays have played 132 games. The Orioles have now played 131 games. So remember that was part back back when we were like. Well, the Orioles are tied in the loss column. We're like, you can make up. We call that tied because you can make it up. If you win all the games that you have in hand, you control your own destiny. Well, those games are dwindling. So there's now one left in hand. But that's important because if the Rays don't cool off, you need to make sure you win those games in hand in order to get that extra game advantage. And so the Orioles got a half game last night. And as of the moment, they're two and a half games up on Tampa in the AL East as they continue the series this evening. Coming up in a few minutes, speaking of the White Sox, our friend Gavin Sheets is going to join us. I almost didn't want to call Gavin this time. Like, there was a part of me that said, 
it's been it's been brutal. But what I know about Gavin is like he's going to answer every question as best as he possibly can and talk about what it's like to experience a season like this where you know, it's been a struggle not just for him but for everyone out there. And it's been an ungodly struggle. But we'll talk about it with Gavin Sheets. We'll also let him tell us what it's like to face Grayson Rodriguez. And I think that'll be a a fun thing to talk about because we're very excited about Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Also this morning, we will catch up with Nathan Ruiz, the Baltimore Sun. Nathan wrote a piece yesterday and I referenced it when we were talking to David Sampson. Uh, His column was about, it was, the premise was John Angelo should stop talking or here are some other things he could do instead. And what I said yesterday with David Sampson is I disagree about the premise that John Angelo should stop talking. I, I know you're going to say, what? Why, why would you disagree with that? But I mean this in general. I'll always want transparency. I'll always want the people in those positions to talk as much as possible. I think the message is the wrong message. But I'll always want transparency. Even if the message is the wrong message, I'd rather be told about it than it be being done in secret. But every other point that Nathan Ruiz made in the column is something that I agree with, so we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. And also coming up today, our buddy Greg Rosenthal. You know him from the NFL Network. He and I used to do a podcast together called Courts of Thunder, so we're really going to talk about the U.S. Open but I guess if we must, we'll mention something related to the Ravens. I, I don't even know what that would be because, Lord, it was I, I did my regular hit down in Kansas City yesterday, and I just assumed it was going to be about Felix Batista's injury. I was like, all right. When they asked, I said, okay, I get it. You know, that's a pretty big story. And then uh, my buddy Seren Pedro like, brought up the Ravens' preseason win streak. I was like, why? why, why? <laughs> and you were devastated. Why so would you, you care? Why would, would nobody, why would any human care? Why is this something we're discussing? They made a lot of money loves, for a lot loves, of people, loves I think. Love Seren. Love Seren. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I don't really have much else to say from last night. I, I really don't. Grayson Rodriguez was phenomenal, as Jeremy Kahn joked about yesterday. The White Sox appear to be in the you know, 3-2-1 Cancun mode. So it is the tough part. I don't want to say that I'm not judging anything the Orioles do against bad. I, there's a thing, there's a, there's a saying that we, um, in the tennis community, I can put myself in the tennis, <laughs> folks like me who are <laughs> very involved in the tennis community. You know, country uh, club and... There's, there's a there's a saying that you can't you can't win the U.S. Open in the first week. You can only lose the U.S. Open in the first week. So like last night when Coco Goff struggled in her first round match at the U.S. Open, the saying is that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you can't play well enough in the first round to win the tournament. The only thing that happens is that you can lose. So all that matters is did you advance. That's how the saying goes. And I would compare it to these games the Orioles are playing against bad baseball teams. The only thing that can happen is bad. Nothing really good can come from it. You have to win these games. 
if you take the A's series, the Rockies series, the disappointing part about the Rockies series is you lost a game. And I know that seems an unreasonable measurement that you losing one game could be a problem, but this is where you're at. You're trying to win the AL East against a Rays team that won't quit. Losing one game against the Rockies is extraordinarily disappointing. You can't really, and I, and I hate that because it feels like I'm moving the goalposts, but nothing that can happen in these series is going to give me more confidence about what the Orioles can do come the postseason. Fujinami can make great pitches in these games. Until I see Fujinami come up in a big spot against a good baseball team with leverage, I'm not going to assume that I can count on him in a leverage spot against a good baseball team. I, I can't gain anything in a measurement. Now, if it continues trends, well, that's a different thing. If Grayson Rodriguez had struggled for his last few starts and then pitched really well against the White Sox last night, I would be far more dismissive of it. I'd be much more in a place where I would say, yeah, I got to see that against a real lineup. But that's not the case, right? Grayson Rodriguez has pitched quite well since he came back. This was just, in fact, this was probably the easiest matchup that Grayson Rodriguez has had because it feels like every time he's been out, he's had to face a viable, a Cy Young candidate type of pitcher until last night. Not that Kopech is a bad pitcher, but he ain't. I can't remember the names that he had. It was it was absurd. The list of guys it was like Derek Cole and then yeah, Gosman. Yeah, was it Gosman? It, it was it, uh, who, it was the other one. It was um. I know. I can't think of the other Toronto ace. God. It wasn't Barrios, was it? No, Maybe it wasn't Barrios. That was Wednesday. Was it Ryu? No. Who started last Tuesday? We can figure this out. Yeah. You could, you've got the internet. But it seemed like that's who Grayson Rodriguez was facing. This was a bit of a respite for sure, in comparison. But Grayson Rodriguez, it was following a trend. But if someone gets going, if a bat gets going in a series like this, I'm still going to say the same thing. I kind of need to see it against a real team. And I hate, because it, it, it feels, again, like I'm saying, that I nothing good can happen in these series. It's kind of a break. You got Kikuchi. I mean, Last Kikuchi's game. pretty good, dude. Like, was, let's but, not well, pretend... Well, that's kind of the break, though. That's the, well, I guess, in comparison to the others, maybe, but Kikuchi's numbers have been pretty outstanding this season. <sighs> then it was Snell, I think, in San Yeah, Diego. that sounds yeah. right. That does sound right. Yeah, it's or, been... or no, it was Darvish. I oh, was it Darvish? Yeah, I think it was. Eh, whatever. He, uh, all I know is it felt like he was facing right. a Cy Young he candidate probably, or ace. Both. Yeah, right, somehow <laughs> he pitched two days in the San Diego series. It just really felt that way for a little while. But that, I mean, I, I hate saying that. I hate saying that I can't take anything out of it because you got to play these games too. And at the beginning of the year, this would have been far more exciting. But we are where we are. Expectations are what they are. I, the Astros series was one that was a measurement. This probably isn't a measurement. I would like to hope not anyway. I hope the Rocky series wasn't a measurement. I think we're at a point where we have moved the goalposts, where expectations being what they are, you want to see a little bit more. And so because of that, it's hard for me to get worked up. I I think I like the trend with Anthony Santander. I think I'm willing to buy that Anthony Santander has worked through what his issues were sitting out for a few days. 
I think I'm good with Anthony Santander being back to being a credible threat in the middle of the lineup. But otherwise, it's just just win the games. The, the, I can't learn anything about this bullpen right now. I'm sorry, I can't. I wish, I wish, I wish they were shutting down. Insert team name here: the Rangers, the Rays. I wish that was the case, because then I would turn around and say, "Okay, this might work." But getting outs against the White Sox and the Rockies doesn't really tell me a ton about whether or not this bullpen can hold up through the gauntlet of playoff baseball. You got to do both things. You got to handle your business in these games. You can't give away games. It's why, again, Sunday was disappointing. If I, if I take out the Blue Jays and I just look at the A's, Rockies, and White Sox, I would say the Orioles are 6-1 and one in those games, and that to me is a disappointing record. And it's unfair. It's unfair for that to be the case. And if they get through those three series and they go 8-1, and one, that's probably okay. But losing any of these games could end up haunting you. It's just the reality. Um, may it continue. May they not stub their toes anymore at all, and then they get back out on the road. Go undefeated the rest of the season. No, I mean against these types of teams. Right. Like I can accept things when you're facing better teams. But against these teams, I get it. It's baseball. Those teams still try. They still go out, we think. They still go out and give effort. But if losing losing even a game to a team like that could end up being the difference in you winning the division. They, they clearly do try. Luis Robert, I mean. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a heck of a play. There's no doubt about that, man. That was, he was, that was he outstanding. Was the that, he was the only one that did show up, I think. Yeah, I mean, after the who who was it that completely missed the cutoff man and allowed? Uh, uh, was in right field. Right. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't yeah. remember. Oh God, please tell me. Was it Gavin? Oh no. Um, I, don't, I wasn't paying attention because it was a trivia last night. It was no. It was uh, Oscar Colas. Okay. Thank God, Oscar Colas. It's very awkward. <laughs> Would have been very <laughs> Gavin awkward. Gavin was playing first. <laughs> I was. I was only barely. I was at trivia last night. I was watching the game. I right. was. I just wasn't paying full attention. And basically, all the game was last night was Joan, Joan Jett. Jett right? yeah. It was Joan, Joan Jett. Hey, here's some Joan Jett. Now baseball. I don't blame him. Joan Jett's awesome. I don't. It doesn't disappoint me at all. Uh, the other story, of course, today is that today is the day for the Ravens to get down to 53 men. As a lot of people have pointed out, bear in mind that there will probably be moves that will be announced today that could ultimately end up just being placeholders until somebody gets moved to a list. The, the, the kind of big questions right now are guy Tyus Bowser. As you know, we're bringing back the Tyus Bowser show for season three, and we're very excited about that. I'll be giving you some more details about that in the coming days, but I assume we'll get clarity in the next 24 hours about whether or not Tyus Bowser will start the season on the active roster the or if he'll have to miss the first four weeks. I guess uh, reporters that were in Owings Mills yesterday saw Tyus was working out for the first time, and so that that would be a nice sign. And, you know, the Ravens have to measure, like, if they think he's going to miss week one, do they want to put him on pup, or, like, do they believe that he could be back by week two, and if that's the case, they don't want to have to have him miss the first four games if he could have played three of them. 
it's a tricky thing when you're trying to set a final roster. Nothing yesterday was significant. Yesterday was kind of some obvious moves. I, I will admit, selfishly, when you see, and again, I'm not going to pretend like I watched the game on Saturday night because Lord knows I did not do that. But I did see the Dante Demas highlights. Mm-hmm. And all of us that watched Dante Demas play in college were like, right, yes, that's what he can do. Why is he not, why was he not drafted? Why is he not more sought after? The belief is that Rakim Jarrett's going to make the roster in Tampa. Um, Dante Demas is a playmaker. Now, I get it. There was no room on this roster for Dante Demas. They had a crunch for the first time ever at wide receiver. Dante Demas probably would have made a good number of past Ravens teams. Like, most of them. But this wasn't the one. Because this was the year the Ravens brought in some wide receivers. And there just weren't jobs to be... I mean, Shamar Bridges was a guy that, like, a lot of people liked in the last couple years. He never really had a chance to make this roster this year either. Dante Demas is a guy that I would love to see the Ravens be able to protect on the practice squad, but I just wonder if the talent is is enough that someone will look at Dante Demas and try to give him a shot. We'll see. I would love to see him stick around because I, I just selfishly, I think that Dante Demas is a good football player. I but guess it was the injury in 2021. That yeah, that really hurt him. It really derailed him. I mean, there was a time where before he that. He was leading the Big Ten, I think, at the time. Yep. Of course, that was in the cards. Iowa game on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's selfish. Like, I, I, I happen to have seen a lot of Dante Demas, and I think very highly of him as a football player. But I get it. I'm not trying to suggest that I think the Ravens made a mistake of any sort. I understand they just never had a spot on their roster. It was never there. I, I'm not as enamored with Nelson Aguilar as everyone else is, but I get it. He's a veteran. Should you deal with injuries at the top? It's nice to have a veteran receiver to play instead of having to pick somebody off the scrap heap and hope that Des Bryant <coughs> excuse me, Bless you. somehow has something in him at 40 years old or whatever. I, I understand why they find some value in Nelson Aguilar. I'm not as enamored with Nelson Aguilar as other people are, but I get it. I understand the thought process. We'll see about the other things. As I said before, I would be kind of surprised at this point if Keaton Mitchell isn't on the team, but at the same time, if the Ravens said, we don't have four spots for running backs on this roster, I would also be forced to understand that. Is there room for Patrick Ricard, do you think? I I would be surprised, too, if Patrick Ricard is not on the roster at this point. I get get it. There's a reason why we've had the conversation, but his versatility... And as Bo Smolka has pointed out a couple times when we talked to him about it, there's no benefit to trying to save money on Patrick Ricard right now. Mm -hmm. Now, as I say that, they do like to have more cap flexibility into the season should there be a trade that they would like to make. So maybe they'll find that to be a benefit. I, I do think that's tricky too. As much as we like Keaton Mitchell... I hate saying it. There's a lot of Keaton Mitchells around the NFL. There's a lot of backs that are young and talented and in a roster crunch. I like Keaton Mitchell. Everybody that watched Keaton Mitchell play in college said that's an NFL player. But if the decision came down to one or the other, I'm going to be inclined to say I'm keeping Patrick Ricard 
because I know how Patrick Ricard can help in certain situations. I think Keaton Mitchell might be helpful. And I like him, and I like the idea, I know it's been brought up, that with two running backs whose futures are uncertain, I I get it. But at the same time, practically, Justice Hill kind of is Keaton Mitchell for this team. So I just don't know what that looks like. I'm not saying that I don't want him here. I'm saying I would understand if the Ravens ultimately looked at a roster crunch and said, well, we need an extra cornerback or we need whatever it is, and because of that, we just don't have room for this player. There's no justification for keeping Melvin Gordon, for example. Just no world. No offense. Nice enough guy. But there's no... That would be insane if the Ravens kept Melvin Gordon. I'm saying I, I think Keaton Mitchell's on the team, but if there's only three running backs on the team, I'll also understand that because it's hard to get to 53. Inevitably, to get to 53, you got to give up on somebody you like. There's just no way around it. The, it. the offensive line thing that we keep talking about, where they might say to themselves, we're not comfortable moving on from either Mustafer or Ben Cleveland. And if that's the case, then someone else has to go. And as we know, there tend to be offensive line injuries aplenty, and so you like having the depth that you can actually plug somebody in that you trust in those spots. We'll see. Those moves will be made throughout the day today as the Ravens get down to 53. But again, even this, whatever they announce, there will probably still be some adjustments to be made to the roster. Somebody will be getting a, will be getting released, but it'll be like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, released, and then they'll be brought back after that. Don't forget, Glenn Clark 23 is the code. G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K. I know my name. C-L-A-R-K. Glenn Clark 23 is the code. Sign up with Superbook. Use that code, and you will get your first bet matched up to $250, win or lose. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn Clark 23. Maybe go make some tennis bets today. I have to think about it, but I, I'd have to look at the numbers for Alcaraz because I, I don't know what the spread is in that match off the top of my head, but I'm guessing that given the fact that he lost the final in Cincinnati, he's going to have something to prove tonight, and I'd probably bet Alcaraz to cover the spread tonight. So that's a bet for you. Go make it, and if you lose, no sweat, no worries. If you use that code, you're getting your money right back. White Sox are in town. Whenever uh, the Orioles take on the White Sox, we always try to catch up with a friend of ours, of course, an Orioles legacy, and White Sox slugger, Gilman alum. He is our buddy Gavin Sheets, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Gavin, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Always, always enjoy getting on with you guys. Uh, you have any opinions about like the Ravens as they try to put the final roster spots together? Is there anybody that you fell in love with during the preseason? Uh, I fell in love with a couple guys. I think they're all safe. You know, I'm, I'm excited about Flowers. Uh, I think that he's got he's going to bring some some fun fun to this offense, and um, especially for uh, for Lamar having that little deep thread as well. So, um, man, I'm excited. It's uh, best time of the year coming up. Football season in the fall, so it's it's going to be fun. Do you guys have a, a fantasy football league on the White Sox? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We uh, we've got a draft coming up in I think September second. So okay. Who, everybody's how, geared up for that. Uh, you know I got to get 
Justin Tucker in the eighth or ninth round as always and get the X-Factor on the team. <laughs> all, right, all right, so are you the guy that does it every year? You t- you have to get the first, you know, because you got to get Justin Tucker, and then everyone in the league says, boos like, oh, are you kidding me, Homer? Are you that guy? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm the guy that I, I'm the guy that gets the X-Factor on the team every year. <laughs> oh, man. I You know, it's funny. I always talk about that around here. You actually have an advantage. Uh, we were talking the other day. I was because the tight end position stinks this year. Like it's just there's there's like three guys, and then it's a complete drop off after that point. And I was talking to our our fantasy guy here, and I said, and then the funny thing is now because I I went through tight end hell last year, I can see myself trying to reach to get my tight end. But in Baltimore, you can't do that because inevitably somebody is taking Mark Andrews in the second round. It's just the way that it's going to go. You can't even reach yep. for Mark Andrews because he's already gone. So I feel like you have an inherent advantage because you have the ability to be that guy playing in a league based, you know, in Chicago where there's not going to Absolutely. be the same desire to reach for a homer pick. Absolutely. I've got a, I've got a league with my high school buddies and it's amazing how, how much earlier those guys go right. get Andrews and Lamar and Zay Flowers are going. And then in my Chicago league, I, I know that I got a pretty safe call with Flowers still being on the board for me. This is going to work out perfect for you. You're going to be able to, you're not going to have to do the bit where at the end of the draft, you're like, Oh, can I really, do I really take Tyler Boyd? I don't want to root for him. I don't want the Bengals right. to do well this year. I don't, I, right. it's always exactly. very difficult. Um, uh, Hey, man, uh, first of all, thank you for not hitting three home runs last night like you usually do (laughs) when you come here. Thank you for that. I know it's it's got it. I know you would have preferred to have done that, but just a personal thank you for not murdering us every time you come back. (laughs) Um, Can you take me through facing Grayson? Right. Like we are we are overwhelmed here by what we've seen of late. And we're genuinely believing that this guy might be the ace that everyone told us that he is. Seeing his stuff and being in the box against him, what jumped out about him to you? Yeah, it's funny. You know, we faced him in, in April or May early in the season, and uh, we actually had a pretty good game against him. Um, and, you know, it was right before. I think he had a couple more outings and then got sent down and, and figured some things out. But, um, you know, what I saw last night was, was a different guy than we saw in April and May. Um, obviously, my first at bat, he was up to – up to 101 um, and just a lot of life. But, you know, to me, it was, it was a change up the way it was working last night. And, um, you know, I think that he's, he's really becoming coming into his own and um, he really threw the ball well last night. Yeah. We were really happy about it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. It was a two sides of the coin understanding that, but boy, we were really happy about what we had seen from him. Um, you know, Gavin, I, I, I can't even imagine, right? Like, I know it's been difficult all around. It's been difficult for the yeah. team. It's been difficult for you. I, I also know what kind of guy you are, and I know that, that, that faith yeah. is a really important thing for you. How, how do you handle it, right? Like, when you have team goals, personal goals, and things don't go the way that you want them to go, how have you handled a season like this and the trials and tribulations that you've been through? Yeah, it's been tough. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of seen every every aspect of, of you know, uh, uh, in the last three years, the White Sox, obviously in 21, you know, we were we were one of the best teams in the American League and, and went to the playoffs. And, um, you know, last year we were 500, and this year we're obviously, you know, well under 500. Um, and, and this, you, you learn from each stage that, you know, you learn what it takes to, to be a playoff team in 21. You learn you learn this year what it what it takes, what you need to change, and, and how you build a, a better culture. And, um you know, how you, how you go through times like this. So, you know, you just try to take a learning thing from me, from each aspect of it. And uh, it's funny, you know, my, my rookie year when we had nine years in the big leagues and, and he never played in the playoffs, 
And he's mm. like, you know, as, as easy as it seems right now, he's like, you know, playoff teams don't come every year. And he's like, you need to enjoy every second of it. And, and you know, I, I, I understand that even more right now. You don't understand in the moment, but, but even more right now when you look back and you realize that was only two or three years ago, it's, it's pretty crazy how things can, can change so fast in sports. Do you ever? Gavin Sheets is with us, of course, in the White Sox as they get ready for Game Two against the Orioles tonight. Do, does it ever become like? Do you start worrying about, hey, am I going to be a part of this moving forward? Where am I going to be? Like, what's the direction of the team going to end up looking like? How, how I, I am? I think I was talking about earlier. I'm I'm a Virgo, so like I I worry about everything constantly. I yeah. I'm overwhelmed by these types of things. Are you capable of just blocking all of that type of stuff out and saying I'm going to worry about? Like facing Dean Kramer, that's going to be the only thing that I think about. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's just you know the human element where you know you start to think about things that you can't control. And you know, obviously, we we lost our, our GM and our, our president just a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, you know, I think everybody's kind of got that thought of what, what direction are we headed in, and, and are we going to be a part of this? And uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you can only you can only control what you can control, and it, you know, that's what I try to focus on. And um, you know, obviously in a, in a time like this season, like this, you know, everybody's kind of scattered and looking, looking different directions and, um, you know, thinking about themselves. So it's, it's, it's definitely a weird time. Um, but at the end of the day, you can just control what you can control. Is there a part of you that still has to be like, dude, you are playing professional baseball. Like just stop worrying about anything else. Absolutely. You yeah. know, you get, you get super frustrated and, um, you know, obviously you want to win at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing, but, um, you know, no matter how frustrated you get or, or, or whatnot, you still have to remember that, you know, you're still, you're still living the dream that you had as a kid. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's gotta be your, your, your mindset. And, um, you know, kind of, kind of brings you back to reality of what, what you're doing. When you come home, do you spend time like at home, home, or you're 27 now, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I do. I still, I still come home, um, you know, see the family, everybody comes into town. So, you know, a lot of it is just seeing people I haven't spent time with for, you know, about a year um, or a little under a year. So, you know, it's good to good to be able to see some some relatives and, um, you know, the nieces. And, and so it's always That's nice cool. to, to kind of get out of a hotel for a little bit and, and just uh, enjoy the family time. Do you feel pre- like knowing how many people are there to see? Do you feel any pressure about that? Like, dude, I, I might want to swing out of my shoes once and just see if I can. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel any of that? Yeah, I I think especially in the in the first two years, um, you know, now I just I look forward to it more than, you know, get get nervous or whatever. Um, you know, I think the first couple of years, especially rookie year was it was a lot knowing that I was coming here and all the people that were here. And um, and now it's just something I just look forward to. You know, I, I enjoy the I enjoy the series for sure. Coming back home and, and seeing familiar faces and. Um, so yeah, now it's, now it's just something I really look forward to. What about, how's your relationship with your dad evolve? Because like, obviously your, your dad is a coach, like it's in his nature, it's in his yeah. blood. Does he, does he still, I'm, I'm sure that that was a huge part of your relationship. Clearly, I, I know it was a huge part of your relationship, but like, does yeah. that, does that still continue when you're three years into a major league career or at some point do you text back like, thanks bud, love you, I got it. Like, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, you know, <laughs> We, we definitely have, uh, you know, both of those, both of those interactions, you know, sometimes it's, Hey, I got it under control. And sometimes it's me reaching out to him and, um, you know, but that's, that's the fun part. We've got a, we've got a, a tremendous relationship obviously. And, um, you know, we can have whatever conversation we need to have. And, 
um, you know, obviously I, I reach out to him a bunch and, you know, see what he thinks of certain at-bats or certain pitchers. And, you know, I was, I, I was on deck last night talking about Rodriguez to him when he's on the, you know, sitting there in the front yeah. row. And I was just looking at him, I was like, man, his, his fastball is taking off tonight. <laughs> so, you know, we had those, we had those kind of player coach, player coach conversations and, and father-son conversations as well. So that's cool. uh, it's, a, it's a great relationship. That's cool, man. <laughs> that's, dude, that's I, like just the thought of that. Like, I don't know if you ever pinch yourself a little bit, but you're sitting there t- in, in the on-deck circle at the ballpark that you grew up wa- like watching baseball at talking yeah. to your dad. Like, there, I still – I know that it's old hat now, like you've been around for a little while, but I still right. got to believe there's a part of that that's got to give you like some sort of, you know, I don't know. It, it just – it's got to mean something. No doubt, and that's that's what's so much fun about the series. It's like it just brings it back all all back to perspective. And you know, it's it's it, you're back in a stadium that you grew up in, and and you know, I get to see him sitting there in the front row, and um, it, it's really the only series that's that's like that throughout a season. You know, so it really doesn't get old when when you're only coming here three or four games a year, and, and so it's still it's still always a lot of fun to to come here. All right, what about let's 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 critique yourself, right? Like, what would you say? the biggest thing that maybe has been a little bit off this season for you personally, other than the team situation that you think yeah. like, I, I know that this is where something went wrong. Give me your biggest critique of yourself for this season. For me, it'd just be consistency. Um, you know, just, just not putting together consistent slugging and, and uh, you know, some of that's been not getting consistent reps, but you know, a lot of that is just, you know, being able to have consistency, consistent at bats and, and driving the ball a little bit better. Um, you know, obviously I think that that's, that's something that's down a little bit this year for me. And, um, you know, something I'm definitely going to work on this off season and, and get back to it next year. Uh, what are you off the tee these days? Like, so if you go out and like played with Forrester <laughs> this week, what, what, yeah. what are you off the tee anymore? Uh, I'm about three thirty off the tee right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what, once uh once october comes around it, it it turns into turns into golf season again so <laughs> but yet you come back this is always what confuses me about you you come back here like why wouldn't yeah. you go to arizona man like why wouldn't you be somewhere where you could actually play are you are you a psycho like like forester is and do you go out and like play in december and january oh yeah as long as, as long as there's a four to start the number and the temperature i'm i'm usually out there in december and january uh, you know i just I just closed on a new house that's over by Hump Valley Golf Course where I play. So, okay. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll be out there. I'll be out there a bunch. That's for sure. So as uh, long as it's not windy, I'm out there. The irony is, I I too am a member at Hunt Valley Golf Course, but only for the really? pool. Uh, only for the pool, Gavin. <laughs> like I assure yeah, you, <laughs> I am a terrible golfer. I am god awful. So you will not be seeing us out there. But if you were stopping by this week while you were home, you might see two little kids. That we're jumping around in the pool, and that's right, that's that's right, my right, membership right. for Hunt Valley Golf. <laughs> Just a pool membership. Oh man, it's that bad. Hey, uh, again, before I let you go, I, I remember talking to you about this when when the Orioles were out in Chicago. But you know, as you've seen what you've seen in in Chicago, you've also seen from afar how things have turned here. How impressed have you been? Like by by watching this nucleus, this group of guys, and the way that they have come together, and how truly formidable this this team is that you're up against this week. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, it's it's the the clubhouse that they have. You know, I think that they've got a, a winning culture. They play the game extremely hard. You know, it's a bunch of it's it's a really good group of young guys mixed in with a really good group of veterans. You know, when you've got 
I was fortunate enough to play a little bit with James McCann. And, and when yeah. you got a guy like that and Gibson and, you know, a couple veterans, Frazier, that can really keep together a good nucleus in the clubhouse. And then you mix that in with the, the young talent that they have. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good formula. And so to come back here and, um, you know, I've, I've obviously heard from my dad about, you know, the way Baltimore has rallied around and, and Camden Yards is filling up again. It's, it's cool to see because, you know, obviously I've been here the last few years where, you know, it's a little bit different and um, it's, you know, credit to Elias because he's really done a really good job. Uh, it's uh, as you can imagine, it is a very exciting time for us here. Um, at, at some at some point in the future, we'd love to maybe have a few uh, Gavinet sheets at bats in the other color. We just like I know I know we don't want to. De- I don't know how tampering works. I'm not sure what the rules are for all of that, but I'll just put it out there. And then, what do you have to get while you're home? Like, what's what's one? Like, is there somewhere you go for a crab cake or something like that? Like every time uh, you come home. Yeah, it's easy. It's always crab cake, some kind of crab. Um, you know, we did a dinner at Jimmy's Seafood the other night. I always, I always enjoy going there. And um, yeah, it's 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 getting home and, and getting some good good seafood. That's awesome. Do you take do you take the other guys with you when you go? Do you say like, hey man, I'm gonna teach you how to crab crabs? Yeah, we did. We did a full team dinner the other night at Jimmy's Seafood. So they were gracious enough to host us, and um, we had a great time. We had. Obviously, the crabs were out and, and all the seafood. and um, Yeah, it's, it's That's a good awesome. Time. That's awesome, man. Uh, at CleanSheets24 on Twitter is how you follow him. Remind me what it is on Instagram, Gavin. Uh, GSheets24 on Instagram. Same thing. Uh, dude, always, yeah. always appreciate you, man. Uh, rooting for always you. Uh, please take it easy on us the next couple of nights. I'm begging you. I'm begging <laughs> you not eight home runs over the course of the next two nights. <laughs> Thanks. Man, that sounds good to me. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'll take, I'll take that. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you hopping on, man. On as always. Thank you. Gavin Sheets, uh, Gilman alum, of course, uh, with the Chicago White Sox. Obviously, it's been a tough year for for them, for him, but um, you know he is such a good dude, and I really appreciate the fact that he said yes anyway. Which I would have understood. I said that to Griffin. I literally texted him said, look, man, I, I love Gavin. I think there's a chance that maybe just – you know, it's it's kind of tumultuous in Chicago. I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, ah, "Yeah." He I says the same thing he always does. He says, "Absolutely." Oh, That's he's the, first the, thing he says. the nicest yeah. guy in the world. I mean, if you're willing to be friends with Drew Forrester, <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> like, there's there's yeah, almost yeah, no one you're yeah, not willing. Like, you know, I, I, like that. If you're going that far down the Appreciate Gavin. Great dude. All right, when we come back in, uh, I want to talk about uh, Nathan Ruiz's column. He's going to join us to talk about why he thinks John Angelo should either stop talking or offers a suggestion of a path, and I agree with the path. Uh, also, it was a big night. Well, we actually tied for No, we finished in second. We did not win trivia last night. We lost by two points. But your boy stumbled his way into the final, the answer for the final question. Oh, okay. One of the dumbest. I will give you the question. There's zero chance. Zero chance yeah. you know the answer. I mean. <clears throat> but I'll run it by you anyway. It's probably a chance. We'll see how it goes. Do that next. Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland. The next time you visit Camden Yards, stop by the brand new Superbook Bar and Restaurant, the first ever sports lounge at Oriole Park. The Superbook Bar and Restaurant is open to all fans once the gates open for each game. Enjoy first-rate food and beverage with a state-of-the-art viewing experience, including newly installed TVs, odds boards, and sports tickers, 
Get your game tickets now, then stop in for a 360-degree sports experience. Learn more at Orioles.com slash Superbook. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to MarylandCyclingClassic.us. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glenn clark 23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER i'm michael jan grandy president of aj michaels your carrier energy expert for 44 years save money energy and make your home more comfortable and virus free find us at ajmichaels.com that's ajmichaels.com Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson got together or late yesterday afternoon. You can find it right now, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab. Go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Wait, no, it's YouTube.com. Man, why do I do this to myself? It's YouTube.com slash PressBoxSports or PressBox. Which one is it? The hell has happened to I, me? Why am I, I suddenly? PressBox Online. It is PressBox Online. YouTube.com slash PressBox Online. Yeah. And then PressBoxOnline.com slash video. One of these days, man, I'm going to clean this all up. Everything's going to be fine. We're only 10 years in. <laughs> one of these days. Then you'll I'm make that. Then you'll make the turn. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Just all of a sudden had like a panic attack in the middle of saying it. Is that the right website? Am I, am I yeah. guiding people to the wrong place forever? YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video in order to check that out. Uh, only one sports question at Trivia last night, um, which is always disappointing so you were basically for me. useless, yeah. I, I, I guess it was – I would have assumed it would have been one that everybody would have gotten. I, I don't think everybody got it. I think most people got it, but not everybody. Um Name since 2001, since the start of the 2001 season, who are the only two MLB teams to have won at least three World Series titles? The Red Sox. Yes. And I. Why is that? Three World Series titles? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, why can't I. Uh, mm. Oh, the Giants. The Giants, yes, yes of course. Okay. Those are the two. Yeah. Those are the two. The final was where my finest work was done. <laughs> and this is one of those things where I learned that, like, I just have a bizarre set of things that I filed away. I don't know how to explain photosynthesis. I couldn't tell someone what the difference is between stalactites and stalagmites. Like, I know one of them goes one way or the other. I don't know. And then he's always supposed to, they hang on tight, right? But, like, so that means the stalactites are the ones that hang down, right? Um, or do yeah, they hang so with all their might? Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember. I never remember which ones are stalactites and which ones are stalagmites. And that might be useful. I might need that at some point, but I Will don't you? I don't Will know. you? Yeah, Will that's you? a good question. Yeah. Um, but I did know the answer to this one, which is weird. The final question last night was, winner of the 1940 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Ah, yes. Which novel's title was suggested by the author's wife who recalled the phrase in the lyrics... To the Battle Hymn of the Republic. What? Sounds like I knew the answer to this. What? Yes. Um, all right, let's see. Watch Oppenheimer. <laughs> but now I assure you, it's not because I, I knew who the 1940 Pulitzer Prize winner was for fiction. It was because I know the lyrics to the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And I thought everybody did. So I, I said to the table, I was like, wait, sing the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And they all looked at me like, <laughs> the Battle Hymn of the Republic? What? Sounds like something from Star Wars. Like uh, no, you do, you know it, I, it's a do I, I mean I know it. You should. It'd be weird if you don't know the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Now, what Republic? You might not know all the the it's the Battle Hymn of the Republic. ends the chorus is glory, glory, hallelujah. Okay, glory, I mean, glory, yeah, hallelujah. That. That's the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and the core or the verse is. Mine eyes are seeing the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is and trampling. You knew this. Well, I didn't know every word, oh, okay. but I knew enough to get to the title of. The, it's in the second line of the song. Okay. It's in the. If you had asked me for something from the second verse, the third line <laughs> would not have happened. 
But the second line of the, it's my eyes are seeing the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are oh, stored. Wow. And that was, that's, that's the, the answer. answer. Wow. That's the answer. Well, well, well and, done. And I didn't know that. I just said, what is, what is the likelihood? It's great. Grapes that there's another book title in the lyrics of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. <laughs> what is the likelihood of that being the case? So you got it. So Did unfortunately, they, they all listen to you? Yeah, yeah in okay. fact, like they made me feel better about. I was like, because I I thought everybody was gonna be like, oh yeah, but nobody else knew the lyrics to the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I was like, really? You so guys, so the other te- so the other teams did. Uh, unfortunately, the team that was two points ahead of oh, us, man, also knew the um, the lyrics. So they stayed in front of us. They uh, they did win. We finished. We settled for second last night. What an and, easy uh, sports question, too. Yeah. yeah, that's always really disappointing when you're the sports guy on the team. Is that you really like it to be something that no one else? Did anyone not get the uh, the World Series question? Yeah, I do. I do think there were a couple. I think it was like fifty percent of teams oh, okay. got it, sixty percent. I think some people just wrote down because I do remember her saying it's not the Yankees, and she always says that when like a bunch of people have written down the same answer. Gotcha. So I think a few people wrote down the Yankees just because they had, they remembered they the Yankees winning a bunch of World Series, 90s, yeah. but didn't know that it was between ninety six and two thousand that they won all of those. So. Worked out for your pal that uh, at least a couple of teams didn't get it, but it would have been nice if it was a slightly more difficult question. Those those are much better for me. Then the real, the, but I I always also waver on that because sometimes they get extraordinarily difficult. Like name every NBA player that scored sixty points in a game last year, and you're like, I, I don't pay that much attention. I don't. Lillard did. Yeah, Lillard did. Luca. Uh, I think Luca had to. No, maybe he didn't. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, I think, did. Yeah. Because we, we got Booker a, did. we got that question, and I think I got them all, but it, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. It was very, very. It was overwhelming. It was very annoying. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Those are very frustrating to me. But uh, it was a decent night, decent showing. We could have done much worse, and uh, I don't think I can make the playoffs anyway. So, life will go on that we didn't get the first place points last night. Continue to monitor. No moves made as of yet. We will continue to watch that throughout the course of the day as the Ravens have to get down to 53 today. And, again, as I said before, there will be a, a little bit of massaging that roster at that point. Tyree Phillips was uh, was yeah, released. I, I, okay. Mm-hmm. No, the Ravens have they, – they, they, if the Ravens – Wanted, I, I would be confused as to why the Ravens would now be desirous of Tyree Phillips. If they just don't like any of their offensive linemen that we thought they were choosing from, <clears throat> well, then sure. But I don't I don't think that that's a world that um, is going to... I did see that the Bills... Somebody tweeted that the Bills are receiving some trade offers from their pass rush depth. Mm. The Bills were the team that for a little while was like drafting all of the edge rushers, like Boogie Basham from Wake Forest and A.J. Epineza from Iowa. And then they brought in Von Miller, and they just seemed to have a little bit more depth there. So that's kind of interesting to me. And some of that is just because I was enamored with some of those guys coming out of the draft. So I don't know what price I'd be willing to pay for, for example, a Boogie Basham who maybe has – I haven't really even followed what he's done in his career because why would I do that? Boogie Basham, uh, Carlos Basham, 
Oh, no, he's already been traded. He apparently got traded to the Giants. Really? Like just never now. mind. Yeah, just in the now, la- right? in the last thirty minutes. Wow. All right. Well, I'm already late on this one. Not gonna <laughs> happen. Uh, uh, Boogie Basham was traded for a late round pick to the Giants. So that would have been that would have been interesting to me. Honestly, that would have been something oh, yeah. that I would have said, given our concern about what the Ravens are doing at the edge rush spot. I would have been willing to listen. Apparently, uh, Jeremy Fowler said the Ra- the Bills had received trade interest on Boogie Basham and A.J. P- Epineza. With Von Miller, Gregory Russo, and Leonard Floyd at the right. top, teams had interest in Buffalo's pass rush depth. Um, yeah, that would have been something... Any time somebody gets released that we've heard of or that we're familiar with, we're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. To me... Secondary and edge are the spots to watch, whether it's a player that's getting released or whether a team says, hey, if we were to trade from this spot, it would help us keep someone else that we like. I I, I will monitor that. I'm not expecting an answer. In the same way that I don't think trading for Boogie Basham would have provided an immediate answer, it would have made us feel all that differently about what the Ravens are doing edge rush-wise. It would still probably come down to whether or not David Ajabo can become the player that we want him to be, and Adafi Owe can finally start showing signs of being that guy. But it would be one more player to add into the mix to give you a chance to find something. So at edge rush and at cornerback, as much as we've, we've looked at these 53, trying to set a 53-man roster with players the Ravens have, and this goes into the territory of why... I can't be furious if the Ravens decided they don't have four spots for running backs on their roster. Or even to your point, mm-hmm. Patrick Ricard. If that's because they wanted to add in one more edge rusher or one more cornerback, I'd be understanding of that. Now that's tough because that might be someone that we've not heard of and you've got to give up a known for an unknown. And from a fan perspective, that's always a very difficult thing to do. Well, we know who this guy is. We don't know anything about this other guy. But I would, as much as we're trying to set a 53-man roster of players that are here, I do think that those positions uniquely, the Ravens have to be monitoring what might be out there because we don't feel great about those positions. That's just the reality of the circumstance. So... I don't have names to give you because I don't know who's got such insane depth at cornerback that someone that might be a viable NFL player is about to become available either via a trade or via release in the next 24 hours. But all of those types of things do factor in as the Ravens get ready to set their roster today. They are inevitably watching. I I, I wouldn't. I, I don't know how they couldn't have called about Boogie Basham. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that they're in a place that they couldn't have at least picked up the phone and and said maybe one more wouldn't hurt. Right, and I guess to your point of anything that maybe potentially stuck out from that third preseason game was that David Ojabo played was playing a lot and he wasn't really wasn't really having much of doesn't, an impact. wasn't dominating yeah. the way that you would like to see someone dominate against lesser competition the if they're game. going to be a high level edge rusher mm-hmm. for you. And again, I I'm using the name Boogie Basham not just because it's cool to say Boogie. <laughs> Like, I get it. We all like saying Boogie. That's part of the reason. This is the former Carlos Basham who decided that his name would be Boogie once he got to the NFL. 
Um, but I say it only because he's the guy that was dealt. Boogie Basham, for what it's worth, in his career has four and a half sacks over two years. There's no reason for us to believe that this young man was going to be the a game changer for the Baltimore Ravens. But beggars can't be choosers. You have the lack of depth that you have. Once you're in that point, you, you, you need something. We mentioned the secondary. Malcolm Butler is apparently trying out for uh, the Falcons. He just he hasn't played since twenty twenty. Say like how, how are we? How long ago was the Seattle thing? Was that twenty fourteen? That was twenty. I can't even remember, man. That was the twenty. I guess twenty fifteen. It was the twenty fourteen season. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Eight years removed from that. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I don't think Malcolm Butler is the answer, bro. <laughs> I don't think that's the one. I, I God bless him. I'm not uh, opposed to him trying to continue his career, but I just don't think that's going to be it for solving the Ravens' problems. All right, when we come back in, we will catch up with Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun. He's got some suggestions for how the Orioles can fix their off-field missteps. We'll talk about it next, Glenn Clark Radio. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulgent steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay-by-play, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley Bob, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Last weekend of the regular season kicks off on Friday the 8th with Adley Rutschman Night. Mystery Adley Rutschman giveaway items for the first 750 fans. Fireworks on Saturday with the return of our 1K beer run. See how fast you can complete the race while getting three beers down. And our Birdland celebration on Sunday. Free autograph items for the first 1,000 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, Birdland, the next time you visit Camden Yards, stop by the brand new Superbook Bar and Restaurant, the first ever sports lounge at Oriole Park. The Superbook Bar and Restaurant is open to all fans once the gates open for each game. Enjoy first-rate food and beverage with a state-of-the-art viewing experience, including newly installed TVs, odds boards, and sports tickers. Get your game tickets now, then stop in for a 360-degree sports experience. Learn more at Orioles.com Superbook. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? The uh, other nice thing about Cut Down Day is, like, when you start seeing, you're like, oh, that guy's still in the NFL? I didn't even know. Like, uh, Deion Jones was released today. And I'm like, wow, Deion Jones was still playing football in 2023? I, I did not know that. But, it's just a reminder. If if you're someone who takes joy and let's name some guys, if that's if that's a way that you enjoy passing the time, and I assure you, as a as a male, I do love just naming some guys. My buddy Brandon and I get together, like we'll go to concerts and beforehand we'll just sit up in his office and at like Ramshead Live and we'll just name guys. <laughs> that's just what we'll do. And we'll have the time of our lives doing it. Well, well I'm so used to. I see that uh, Jalen Rager now is on the. It was on the, like the trade block from the Vikings. How is Jalen Rager on the trade? Like, tr- who's going to trade for Jalen Rager? What does that he's mean? He's on a the first, trade block. He's a first round receiver. Yes, he was a first round receiver once upon a time, but, but so he's not to, a first round well, receiver. I'm so used to the Ravens always needing. It's like when one. some when everybody kept I'm saying like, oh, the Ra- the Ravens. Oh, stop! It's like when the everybody's like the Ravens have blah 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 first round receivers on their roster. Like Laquan Treadwell was a first round receiver. He's not currently a first-round receiver. He will always be. No, stop. we we got to find a different way to talk about first it. First-round receiver. Joining us now here on GCR, he covers the Orioles, the Baltimore Sun, and he wrote a really interesting column this week um, about their organizational missteps and the leadership from the top. Uh, trying to find We're all trying to find the guy who did this column. He is our friend Nathan Ruiz, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Nathan, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you as always, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Hey, so I got to be honest with you. I saw the headline and the the title of the column. Much like I, this happens to me all the time when somebody I write a column and they're like, all they do is read the the headline, and I'm like, what? What was he talking? And then I read the column. I said, oh, we actually agree almost overwhelmingly. The only part that I push back on is, I'll never be in favor of leadership of an organization not talking, even if I don't think that they have the right message. And you and I can get into that. I will always prefer transparency because if it's the wrong message, at at least I know what I'm getting. Like I just never think it's a good idea 
for anyone to stop talking because I always want to know as much as I can about what's going on. No, look, I actually, I fully agree with you. Um, I think how I will, how I will say it is that from a John Angelos Orioles perspective, yeah, it's not helping. They would be better off. They would be better off if he stopped talking. Mm -hmm. He has not said, he has said exceptionally little this year to their benefit. When he opens their mouth, they are worse off. It pulls the news cycle away from how well they are playing into him. We saw it last week with the New York Times article. A very good baseball team um, was not the centerpiece of that article. There was John Angelos alone in those photos, alone in that article. Yep. And so when I say that John Angelos should stop talking, it's not for the public's benefit or my benefit. Um, I would love John Angelos to stop Obviously, talking. Obviously, yes. talking. You know, yes. it's great. It's great for the Baltimore Sun readership gives me stuff to write about. He continually presents something that's worth analyzing and diving into. And uh, people want to know about it. I, I fully agree with you as the owner of an organization who proclaims to be transparent, he should keep talking. But if he's going to keep saying the stuff he's been saying over the last eight months, he and the organization would be better off if he didn't. Uh, let's get into the message because the, the points that you made, I think, are points that a lot of us have brought up over the last couple of years. But I, I feel like, and I brought this up, I was talking to David Sampson, the former Marlins team president, about this yesterday. And I said, I, I feel like there is a way, some of the things that John Angelos has said have some merit. They're just shrouded in other things that are either purely nonsensical or just you can't win on because no one cares about that you can't get a guy in Dundalk who's paying $16 for a hamburger to care about what your financial situation is as a small market baseball right. team. So is there a way to improve the messaging? Because like I, I do think, I, I keep coming back to it, I, he's got to present what the private side of this public-private partnership is. Like That's one of the biggest problems. I think there's a lot of merit to trying to improve downtown. You referenced that in the column. I think there's a ton of merit to we would be well served as a community to have more reason for people to come downtown during the course of the year. I think that all of those things are good, but you're missing the pitch of how it's a public-private partnership because all we're seeing is that you want $300 million more on top of the $600 million that you've already got, and that's going to make everybody seem like it's insane. I feel like if you could massage that and put out a message of here's what it looks like when it's public-private – then you might be willing or able to get people to listen to an argument that has a little bit of merit. Yeah, I mean, that that vision hasn't necessarily been fully publicized. Obviously, it was broken down a little bit in that New York Times piece talking about, you know, just for example, an elementary school in the warehouse. I, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, I, I think John Angelos is welcome to have this vision for what things are supposed to be. And it's not that it's not something he should pursue, but to your point, you know, how much of it is coming from the Orioles, how much of it is the city, how much of it, is him kind of just shaping something in the image he wants it to be by using public dollars. Right. And that is part of owning a, a sports team. We see it all the time with different owners of organizations is even though they are exceptionally wealthy people, they continue to uh, take funds from public entities and, and make use of them. And the states and cities in those circumstances allow that to happen. And right now, uh, the Maryland Stadium Authority and, and the Orioles and John Angelos are negotiating those exact things right now. Now, as I, I noted in that piece, they're welcome to pursue those things, but just sign a lease first. Get a 20, 30-year agreement out there. Take care of the baseball stadium. Make sure the Orioles are going to stay in Baltimore, play at Camden Yards, and then worry about everything around that. I think trying to have 
what is very clearly a very multifaceted situation, talking about parking lots and use of the warehouse and mm -hmm. live, work, play and all these things, it's really complicated and understandably so. We're talking about a really big vision that again, they are welcome to have, but sign a lease, get the baseball team taken care of and then worry about everything else once you have that document in place. Because I think that also creates trust. You know, I quoted, you know, State Senate President Bill Ferguson in the story. Right. He has these hesitancies about um, making this kind of an agreement when they don't have a partner who's fully committed to Baltimore yet. And so I think once that lease is in place and we're not talking about something that's going to expire four months from now, we're talking about something that's expiring two to three decades from now, it becomes a lot easier to have these conversations about what do we do at Camden Yards? How do we expand this and build on this? It's, it's tough. We're talking, chatting with Nathan Ruiz, the Baltimore Sun. It's tough because I, I can't defend it in any way. I can understand the argument is, well, I feel like I have leverage, right? Like at the moment, I have more leverage. The moment I sign the 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 lease, I feel like I lose the leverage because there's no longer any and and that you can never win with that in the public. Like no one ever to your point. This, this we don't care. We just don't care. We just want you to get this over with so that no one can ever say the word Nashville and and have it have any merit. We just get this part over with already. But I I can be understanding within the concept of negotiating of right, but I don't want to do that because I want to keep as much leverage as I possibly can. And that makes all of this very complicated. I, I do wonder how much leverage he truly has, you know, dating to 2019 when he said, as long as Fort McHenry overlooks the harbor, yeah. the Orioles are going to be in Baltimore. Yeah. And on multiple occasions, Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, has come out and said the Orioles are staying in Baltimore. I, I do wonder how much leverage he truly has. This isn't something, um, and obviously these things can change, and who knows how, what kind of machinations are at play. But I think there are questions of, of what, is going to happen. You know, this, the Camden Yards, despite its age, despite its needs for $600 million in repairs, it's still one of the gems of the sport. Yep. I don't think Major League Baseball wants to lose that by any means. And so I do wonder how much leverage John Angelos is operating with. And obviously I'm not part of these negotiations. I don't know the inner workings. He's clearly trying a bunch of different things. You know, we've talked about the parking lots. There's a $300 million. There's, there was at one point an ask to not pay rent. There's a, a really big vision. But it also, again, I think it just comes back to there is a vision of just a 20 to 30 year lease to bind the Orioles to Camden Yards. And John Angelos has said himself, he views that as a very small part of a larger conversation. But I think, like I was just saying, that conversation can continue once that lease is in place. I, I don't disagree with that, Nathan. I, I, I think the other part of it, too, and I've talked about this a ton, like the Nashville thing has always been silly. Major League Baseball is not going to reward the Angelos family. It's not going to happen. Like they're not going to say, oh, you were involved with a lawsuit with another team. Well, let's give you a new market and move you out of a place where they've got $600 million worth of public money waiting for you. It's It's insanity that it's even being discussed. So to your point, to, say, to question how much leverage there is, if baseball would simply not allow for it to happen, then that might be one of the problems he's running into is that he knows he's 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 kind of stuck up against it, right? Like, I got to make this work, but yet make it seem like I have leverage to somehow negotiate in this process. Yeah, and again, he's entitled to do this. He is welcome to try these things and make these efforts. But, but like we were saying, it falls, it falls flat. If he's out here asking the state for an additional $300 right. million on top of the $600 million right. he's already guaranteed once he signs a long-term lease, he's saying he can't give out $150 million, $200 million contract when the highest contract they've given out since 2019 is Kyle Gibson's $10 million deal. Like a lot of these things he's talking about just kind of fall flat. Now, I think that there is a way for him to say similar things. And I, I just go back to 
spring training when the open the books conversation was still a relative possibility. And, you know, he had said on Martin Luther King Day, he was going to do it the next week. That obviously didn't happen. Ask him, hey, do you still plan to do this? And he had the opportunity to say, well, no, I was a little emotional that day. I I overreacted. That's obviously not something I'm going to do. I apologize for, for, you know, saying something I wasn't going to do. Instead, he doubled down. He said, you know, if if I say something like I'm going to sit down with you guys and go over the business of the organization, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just say it and walk away from it. And then what did he do? He, he said it and he walked away from it. And then you look at, you know, the quote he gave to the New York times about equilibrium equivalency or (laughs) elasticity, supply and demand, whatever. Like he could have simply said when asked like, Hey, are you going to sign any of these guys? He could have said, we're going to do the best we can. And, and hopefully along the way, we'll win a world series yeah. or two or three or four. Yep. And he just didn't, he just kind of instead jumped off into this thing. And it's okay. If that's truly how he feels, that's the truth of the situation that he thinks the Orioles would be underwater. If they started giving out too many contracts, then that's fine. And he's, I, if that's the truth of the situation, but he just, it just makes it hard to believe that what he's saying is the truth. When again, we're having these conversations about leverage, with negotiating with the MSA and leverage as an owner who will eventually be negotiating with, you know, the MLB PA at some point down the line, like these things, I, I think anytime an owner is publicly speaking, you have to wonder what is their motive here? What is their goal? And so um, it, it's disappointing that again, these things just kind of keep continually popping nice. up and taking away from what is a really, really good it's season nuts. for the Orioles on the field. Let me go back to playing. I want to play armchair psychologist for a second. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I oftentimes say when I talk to people about relationships, when someone tells you who they are, they're daring you to believe them, right? Like that you right. have to choose to believe them. And so when you bring up within the column, the thing that all of us have talked about, like just hand out a freaking extension already, say to this fan base, we are putting the flag down. This is somebody who's going to be here. I can't help but wonder if what we should really take away, and this dates back to the the next Tampa thing when everybody thought like the plan was to try to be the next Houston. I can't help but wonder if they're just flat out telling you stop thinking that there's going to be any money spent. Like this, what happened last off season is the way it's going to be. We'll, we'll we'll bring in you know low budget guys, but we're just never going to spend money on the baseball team. That's the way it's going to be here, and I I can't shake that thought process that he's trying to lay it out as, as plainly as possible for everyone and daring everyone to believe that there's just they're not intending to spend money on baseball players at any point in the future. Yeah, I think until they do it, it's okay to believe that. Now that said, if they want to be the next Tampa, Tampa has given out extensions. Now obviously there's a situation hanging over Wander Franco right now, but they did give him mm-hmm. a lengthy extension, a young shortstop that gave him an extension. Yandy Diaz got an extension. Like They have given out some multi-year deals they just signed this past offseason. They signed Zach Eflin for three years, $40 million. So there, there has been some money spent by the Tampa Bay Rays. I do think when it comes to the Orioles' finances and these arguments about their payroll, one thing that is worth keeping in mind that, you know, let's say three years from now, Adley Rutschman is arbitration eligible. Ryan Mountcastle is in his last year before free agency. You've got Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez and, and you know, Jordan Westford, I guess, probably won't be there yet. But there, they'll have a number of guys who are inching up in salary. There will be kind of this natural increase in what they're paying this team with how young it is right now. But at the same time, in that span, you'll see an Austin Hayes retree agency, a Cedric Mullins, an Anthony Santander, a John Means. Um, so there's going to be, I think, some natural increases. But to your point, like until they go out and they actually sign someone to a multi-year extension that keeps them beyond their free agent years, it, it's, it's going to be a question of will they actually do that? Um, and I, you know, they're going to have to show it. They're going to have to show that it's something that they will actually change because otherwise I'm inclined to start thinking that this is just who they're going to be. And then I'm inclined to start thinking about like, 
what the actual window is for the Baltimore Orioles. Because to the point, if they're not going to nail down any of these guys, then I don't think it's a five-year window. I think you can't do what you did with Manny Machado. You've got to start looking at when you get the maximum value, and that is kind of the Rays model. To say you're you're right, they did give out a couple of extensions, but they're constantly trying to they find. They also moved on from a lot of guys. Yep, yeah, the, they, ma- the very, maximum and value. Michael Elias has used the word right. They're transactional. He's used the, the Cleveland Guardians the same way. Yep. They keep Jose Ramirez, but they trade away Francisco Lindor. And so I think when you're talking about a team that has Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez. Like it's it's cool to envision the next you know five years having those guys, but envisioning all three of those guys still being on the team in five years in ten years say is hard to do. And if they're not going to be here for that long, I do think at some point that after three years you might have to say this is the time to trade them because this is when we can maximize and get the biggest return for that trade. And I I hate that. I don't think that's smart. I don't I don't like that for this fan base, but I just think that's the reality of how the baseball team. Yeah. And I just think it's unfortunate that we're having this conversation in what is effectively like the right. first fully fledged post rebuild right. year. And we're having it because John Angelos came out and said, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. Yep. And that didn't need to be said again in 2023 when Abby Rutschman has four more years of team control after this one. And Gunnar Henderson has five more years of team control after this one. People could just be enjoying how good the Orioles are, but that just didn't happen. I feel like that there's the underlying fear, Nathan, within this fan base that it dates back to the Peter Angelos era that they're just never going to be able to get out of their own way. And it doesn't mean that this city or this fan base is incapable or not capable of enjoying what's happening this year. As we saw, there was a massive crowd out on Saturday night that the city is very invested, but it feels like it's almost an investment with a, but, but I am still, I, I don't, I can't let you hurt me too much. Like, I still feel like that there is this wedge that exists of because of these things, these missteps, I, I, it's hard for me to fully embrace or completely separate my feelings from the leadership, from the feelings from the team, that it's it's just created an awkwardness that's hard to define because of fears that no matter what, no matter how good these players are, no matter how hard they work, somehow the organization is going to end up finding a way to screw it up. Yeah, it's unfortunate that there's that natural feeling of distrust. I mean, you look at it, they have the best record in the American League. They're leading the American League East. They've already secured a winning season. It's not even September yet. But it's also their sixth winning season since the Wire to Wire 1997 season. So in 26 years since, they've had six winning seasons. So I I think that there's an understandable level of distrust. The organization, I think, has earned some benefit of the doubt. You look at them right now, again, they have the best record in the American League. They have the best farm system in baseball. There is a lot of hope for a bright future here. But again, things just continue to kind of pop up to, to unnecessarily tug away from that. And so that was really the point of writing the piece I wrote where I said John Angelus should, should stop talking. He should let the team speak for itself. I think if you know the focus was just on what the Orioles are doing on the field in the baseball operations standpoint of things, <laughs> there'd be a, a lot different feeling. There'd be a really bright future. There would still be questions of whether it's coming in Baltimore because they haven't signed a lease yet. But I think once that is taken care of, a lot of other things will start to fall into place. And I think some of the stressors that maybe people have around this team, this organization, can start to fall into place when you aren't thinking in four months this lease expires and what's going to happen. And, you know, I think people start to think a little less about John Angelos once the lease is signed. We'll uh, link the story up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, but you can also just go to BaltimoreSun.com and read it there. At Nathan S. Ruiz is how you follow him on Twitter. Nathan, really appreciate it, man. I thought it was a really well-written column. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning chatting about it. Yeah, thanks so much, Glenn. Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun with us here on GCR. Try not to obsess over it. 
Again, it's, as David Sampson said, he implored us yesterday, figure, in, enjoy this. Don't get, don't allow these other things to interfere with the joy. And we try, and we do our best, but it's hard. It's hard because, you know, we were talking with our buddy Eric Arditi yesterday, and Eric, um, you know, brought up the the idea of Josh Hader, and then he tweeted about it after our conversation yesterday, and then, like, the entire internet piled on. They're not doing that. That's not the... That's the reality. We can't even, can't even talk about it. The fun idea of bringing back a kid who's from here that came up through this system and wouldn't it be neat to have it come full circle and as you go try to win a World Series next year, if you don't have Felix Batista, you could have Josh Hader. And he was smothered. Smothered. For saying that. And I get it, the points that were made weren't wrong. There's nothing that suggests the Orioles are going to spend any money and certainly if they're going to spend money, it'd be hard to imagine they're going to spend it on the bullpen. But it's frustrating. You can't just even have a a fun conversation without being piled on. That's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of what you're up against. It's the nature of, again, a group, a fan base that wants to support the team but wants to see something. So the points that Nathan made, it, it, it doesn't hurt at all. John Angelos can make say both things at once. He can say, we're trying to figure out a way to, you know, benefit the city and be a good partner and all that stuff, and also say, and also we want to try to build a World Series winner. You can do both things. Just changing the messaging a little bit would go a long way. If the messaging was, we think we have a plan that while baseball is unique in not being a salary cap-based sport, we think we've got a plan that can deliver a championship-caliber baseball team, as you're starting to see to Baltimore, that would go a long way. Talk about it. Just talk about wanting to win a championship. Because talking about the books is not a winner. It's You can't ever win that way. Even if you're right, you'll never win No one cares. Your reality is not Donna in White Marsh's reality. Her reality is she's trying to figure out how to pay off her student debt and you want her to care about the difficulty of being a small market baseball team where even if you're right, and that's not even something that people are willing to accept, but even if you were right, no one cares. The messaging. Change the messaging. The actions, yeah, I'd sure as hell like to see them. But I just wonder if at some point going to have to accept that's not the way it's going to be. Appreciate Nathan Ruiz taking the time for us this morning to talk about it. Uh, Griffin, you want to get everybody caught up on what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland? 
Of course I do, Glenn. I want to tell you about uh, I want to tell you about David's today. There's something new at Live Casino Hotel in Maryland. It is David's. Check out David's new menu featuring barbecue ribs, strawberry cheesecake waffles, blue bay mussels, and of course snow crab legs by the pound. Your perfect gin and tonic is just a shake away as you craft your perfect combo and be sure to stay for the live music every Thursday through Sunday at David's at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Uh, it's Adirondack Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. When we come back in, we are going to uh, I'll, uh, entertain me for a little while. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open. It ma- matters a great deal to me. Carlos Alcaraz plays tonight. Coco had us uh, had me sweat. It was uh, it was awkward. It was it was a very difficult matchup against an opponent that had all like the pace was dreadful, but. <sighs> We'll, we'll, that was at the second God. set. Was that a 30-minute God. God. We'll talk about all of it, uh, and we'll talk some Ravens with our buddy Greg Rosenthal from NFL Network. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two ends in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports. Sports and that promo code Glenn Clark 23. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Last weekend of the regular season kicks off on Friday the 8th with Adley Rutschman Night. Mystery Adley Rutschman giveaway items for the first 750 fans. Fireworks on Saturday with the return of our 1K beer run. See how fast you can complete the race while getting three beers down. And our Birdland celebration on Sunday. Free autograph items for the first 1,000 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland. Maryland5star.us for tickets. Hey, Birdland. A new alternative payment method is available at Oreo Park at Camden Yards for the 2023 season. Pay is a quick, convenient, and rewarding option to make payments at concessions and retail locations throughout the ballpark. Use Pay to unlock rewards, special offers, and unique experiences. And with secure, contactless payment, you'll get back to your seats faster. Get started in the MLB Ballpark app or learn more at Orioles.com slash that's Orioles.com slash Ospay. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to MarylandCyclingClassic.us. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Uh, Jeff Zerbeck says it's likely that the Ravens won't make moves until after practice today. So we're not going to likely learn anything about... They're practicing at 1230, so we're not likely to learn anything about uh, who is being released and who isn't being released until after practice is over. You would like to think you walk out and say, hey, that's weird. We don't see so-and-so out here. But um, apparently, at least according to Jeff Rebeck of The Athletic, the thought is the moves won't happen until after practice, which is a little bit weird, right? Like, it's a little bit weird. I mean, you're going to ask somebody to go out to practice today. Right, right. And then or five they, minutes later be like, hey. Or they start removing guys mid, mid-practice. And yeah, I don't think know. that's going to be the way that it'll go. I don't think that's going to be the plan. But it's a bit odd that they would do it that way. All right. Uh, joining us now here on GCR, uh, the host of the uh, the former podcast, the wildly popular, the number one podcast in all of Costa Rica, uh, Courts of Thunder. He also has uh, some gigs on a, a, a lesser known network called the NFL Network. He is our friend Greg Rosenthal, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? What is happening, Glenn? You know, the most wonderful time of year, fantasy draft, but not yep. actual NFL games to distract us from the important U.S. Open that's going on. I have this really awkward situation. I don't think I've told you about this yet. So I am celebrating a uh, milestone birthday, which number I'd like to leave out of the conversation next week. And so, I mean, I can guess. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. Mrs. Clark and um, our old roommate said, hey, don't block out your day on Saturday. Now, this is uncomfortable Mm. for me because this Saturday is by far my favorite sports day of the year right like wow between i've said this for a long time labor day weekend is my favorite weekend of the year between fantasy drafts the u.s open and the return of a full slate of college football i love this weekend so i didn't know how to say like hey thanks for the offer but unless you're planning on taking me to new york 
I would kind of rather not. <laughs> like, I couldn't have the heart to say that. And I'm in a very awkward spot where, like, I just want to mm. tell them, hey, whatever you're planning on doing, please just cancel it instead. Let's drive to New York on sun- Saturday morning and go watch tennis for the day. So, I, I, I don't think that's a crazy offer. It's, it's your day, uh, right. Glenn. I mean, just come over the house. Just come over the right. house. You know, that we'll would be totally fine. If y'all just wanted to hang out and I could just, you know, I, I would love that. But it's going to be awkward for me. I am, uh, I'm thinking about you because I have the Ans Jabor match on the screen behind me. Uh, mm. And I know how much it would mean to you to uh, see Ons Jabor make a run. Uh, what did you make of the weirdness of last night for Coco? I, 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 I the, the saying, and I think it was brought up 12 times last night, that you can't win a, a slam in the first week. You can only lose it. I think is relevant. I think that all that matters is that you win. I do wonder how much the now even brighter spotlight of we think you can win the U.S. Open becomes a factor for her as she's going to be playing a lot of primetime, you know, Arthur Ashe matches. What did you make of what you saw? Yeah, I think she's going to live in primetime. I couldn't help but think back to last year's U.S. Open with, you know, Serena uh, starting off every primetime session and thinking if you look at Coco's upcoming matches, like Coco's just taking that spot now. She's going to be the 7 p.m. Eastern ass spot for Mm -hmm. this tournament and i don't think she played like that poorly i think for for people that haven't watched uh, her opponent which is basically everyone i mean she is kind of a stinker she's kind of a troll she's kind of someone who gets good players into these sort of matches and i thought she played uh, siegelman was her, her opponent played exceptional in the first set and and coco kind of settled herself and won and, and that's something that happened um but i think her draw is worrisome basically every round is a landmine and and, you know, getting to the quarterfinals would probably mean Iga Sviantic, the, the, the best player in the world. Yeah. So that worries me. With a much different draw, I would feel really good about her making it really far. But but uh, even Daniel Collins in the third round has me like, oh, she's playing well. Watch out. <laughs> I hate that because this, this feels like it should be the moment, right? Like, it feels like the way that she yeah. has played this summer. She has earned the right for this to be her moment and her chance. I just... I don't know how it's fair for us to judge if it doesn't happen that way. Well, I, I still think, you know, she'll, she'll get through it all until Iga and get to the quarterfinals. And that could mean Daniel Collins, who's, who's made it far. That could mean Petra Kvitova. She plays, she plays a very promising teenager up next, Mira Andreeva. So that's weird. Um, I still think she'll get to Iga. I just think Iga is, you know, the favorite for a reason in this tournament. And it kind of stunned me that Coco is the number two betting favorite right now. Um, but I, even though I know Coco just won that match two weeks ago, to me, that's, right. that's she's the underdog there. And that's right. the quarterfinals. You just wish that match was in the semis or, or in the finals. Because Iga, right after losing a match, I'm just sort of afraid of her. She'll be out for blood. Be out for blood. I completely understand. So who else is there? Is there anyone else on the women's side? Like, is it just the Iga Sviantek Open or, you know? Oh, yeah. No, no, I don't think so. Do you? No, I, I think Rabakina, Sabalenka, if Owens gets into good form. I mean, we talk about this all the time. A lot of it is based on the draw, but, but Mukova, certainly, if she gets going. Like, I think there's a decent amount of women um, that have a chance to win, uh, but Iga is a cut above the rest. I, I, I look, man, I, I am, I think the best thing that could happen for the sport is for Coco Goff to beat Igish Fiontech in the quarterfinals and figure out a way to win this tournament. I think it would be 
incredible in this country, it would go a long way for that to be the case. Every, but, everywhere, everywhere. Yes. I mean, she is, she is, you know, she could run for president if it was allowed. She's just like such, yep. such a, an incredible athlete and sort of figure and just everything about her is like scream superstar. But I, I do think that people that don't follow tennis quite as much probably don't realize like, look, I think her game is, it doesn't isn't necessarily as flashy, just the forehands, backhands, and serves as as the top three or four players. I wouldn't say at this point she has the weapons that they do quite yet. And she, you know, it makes sense. She's 19 years old. All right. On the men's side, it's just a sort of a fait accompli for everyone that we are moving towards Djokovic, Alcaraz, and I think everybody is hoping that that's the case. I. I, I have no reason to think otherwise. I think those two dudes are so far above everybody else in this game. They, like I, I have no reason to think that we're not going to get that, and I think it will be incredible, and I think that it will be everything that we could possibly ask for. Well, except for the fact that it's opposite, you know, the afternoon games in week one of the NFL. The Ravens play I mean, at 1 just, o'clock, so just, I don't care, Greg. We're, we're good. It's just so I, – I care. I'm working, and no. it's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. Figure this out, U.S. Open. Just – just figure it out. Play the men's match on Saturday if, if nothing else. Start the tournament a week earlier. I would like that. But, but uh, it's it just the whole – that always bothers me. Uh, but I'm with you that, the, you know, the men's are much more predictable in a way because it's best of five sets. You have more margin for error. And those two guys are so far ahead of the pack. I think that the two guys that could mess that up would be Medvedev and Sinner. And the, and the tough thing for Alcaraz is they're both on his yeah. side of the draw. So it, to me, it feels a little, a little imbalanced. Djokovic's draw seems seems quite easy. I'm trying to figure out what what I would have to give up. Oh, Eagles, Eagles, you care about Eagles Patriots, but I don't care about Eagles Patriots. I care about them all. I mean, I'm stuck. I'm I'm doing a show right after. I I never watched the the U.S. Men's Live. I mean, I got it in like a little third TV, you know, in the corner. Oh, I got to do a post game <laughs> show, but I finished that fairly quickly now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins, Dolphins, Chargers is all right. Like that's probably. I, oh, even, I love that. I'm actually thinking of walking across. You know, I work right next right. to SoFi, and it makes my day a little complicated. But I'm pretty sure because I just love watching Justin Herbert, yeah, and I, I love that matchup. Uh, I think I'm going to go walk over for the for about for the most of that game before coming back like midway through the fourth. The answer this year for me is they should have played the game at night so that I would have an excuse to not watch the Cowboys or play the match at night. Play move the move the championship yeah. match to eight o'clock so I have a reason to not watch the Cowboys. That would be that would be the play. I would have liked that a lot. Um, what do we make of it? We're talking with Greg Rosenthal, by the way, here on GCR. What do we make of the struggles for Francis this summer? Like I, I, I just can't. I, I get it. Like. It's not maybe the end of the world to lose to Stan Vavrenka, but it feels like it is in the year of 2023 to lose to Stan Vavrenka and Milos Raonic. Like that's <laughs> just not something that should be happening if you're a legitimate top 10 player. Yeah, which he's like on the borderline of. I, you know, you know, Francis Tiafo to me is living for this tournament, and just hope he's not putting too much on that. I don't think he gets up quite as much. I think those matches were were weird matches and the other guys played well and everything. But, um, you know, look, there were three people that I was looking at when the draw came out, man, I hope they have a good draw. Can they navigate it? You know, one was Coco. We talked about that. Not a good one. Uh, one was on, uh, Jabor, not really a good one after the first three. Francis got a good one. And I like that section and I pretty, you know, manageable draw through to the second week. And then even when you get there, I see, 
relatively manageable matches versus if he had gotten Djokovic or Alcaraz or even Sinner early, like we could be looking at a Tommy Paul Francis quarterfinal and, and that would be fun. And, and I'd take my chances with Francis against him or against Casper Ruud, who, who's the five seed. I would agree with that. I think that's manageable. I, I, I still, I don't know how to have confidence in what I've seen for the last few weeks. Like I was willing to dismiss the DC thing. Like the rain screwed everything up. Everybody's got to play multiple matches. Like, okay, that can happen. But man, I, it just hasn't been right this summer, and I, I, it concerns me a great at, deal. At, at his time of year, but I actually, I think a little bit like on coming into Wimbledon and in general, I, I think they love the big stage, and I think they're big stage players in that, like, I could just see him having the best tournament of his year, which would be repeating the semifinals. That, to me, that would be a great result if he gets back to a semifinal uh, again and obviously you hope you could somehow get through it but at that point you'd have Djokovic and we'll see <laughs> do you is there any other American man that you found yourself in like I, I I don't care I don't give a rat's ass about this being John Isner's final tournament I wish that would have happened years ago I'm, I'm sorry I don't I don't hate John Isner I just <laughs> hate you as you know I hate his brand of tennis and I am I would much rather yeah. never have another John he, Isner and sometimes his tweet Something, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's some of that too yeah. for sure. Um I, I'm I wanna be interested in Alex Mickelson, who I know other people are interested in, but I watched that wow. new, I watched wow. that Newport final and it's just like the weirdest tennis match I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if he's actually good or not, or if he's just got a style that can get players to, you know, I, just the sweeping bounces, the weird I, oh God, the slicing it to slice to death. I'm not sure that's a viable style of tennis that can actually do anything. I mean, you're definitely the only person on, like, a radio show that brought up Alex Mickelson today. I mean, look, there's there's plenty of more big-profile Americans to get excited. I mean, Chris oh, Eubanks, he's not... It, Eubanks is not in good form, but he got the maybe the easiest draw of any like lower seed I saw, and he could easily make it far. Tommy Paul is is playing the best tennis of his career. Like I said, I think that could be a quarterfinal match. No one that's like a threat. To win, but uh, wait, guys no, no, no. that I, have I, like a fun little draw. We got Ben Shelton versus Dominic okay, Keenan okay. round two. But wait, wait, wait. That yeah, that, that is good. I, I like that. I want to watch that. But you understand what I'm saying? It's not really. Yeah. It's not about winning, and it's it's not about somebody making a run. It's about can can somebody be legit? I have been begging. We you and I thought that Seb Quarter could be a thing, and how foolish do we yeah. feel now, years later? Um, for a minute, um, I. I it's for, early. It's early. Stop it's it. Early. Stop it. Seb Quarter is going to be an okay player, and nothing more than that. Jensen Brooksby, wow. I wanted to sell myself on being a thing for a summer, and I don't even know if he's alive. Um, he's you, hurt. He's been hurt. That's he's fine. Hurt. I just don't have any belief that he's going to be a thing after that. Um, you cannot and get me to commit. Too. You can't get me to commit to Tommy Paul. I refuse. I refuse to commit myself to Tommy Paul. So then I want to believe in Ben Shelton, but like he's not done anything since Australia. I, I just no. He's also eighteen or nineteen. But yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any real threat to go far um, or to be a future champion uh, other than, you know, Tiafo and in, in terms of going far, you know, Taylor Fritz certainly could, but I'm, I'm pretty over Taylor Fritz. I think just because of the way the women's game is and some of the players there, there's a much better chance that you get a surprise Jen Brady run, you right. know, former wow. U S open semifinalist who's come back and looks quite good, you know, or, or the random Madison Keys run we've talking about for like, Forever, I think that's much more likely than any or, man or, doing it. Or Pagula <laughs> trying to put it all together for two weeks, yep. right? Yeah, like that. Those yep. things could happen, but 
I just, her biggest win of her career, um, future Buffalo Bills owner. You know, that's kind of an under-the-radar story, but it sounds like she's kind of the uh, the kid that they uh, think is the smartest, and huh. she's probably going to own the Buffalo Bills one day. Huh. How about that? How about that? <laughs> I did not know that. All right. I mean, that's just sort of the scuttlebutt, but, yeah, I, I, it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, where are you, like... Wh- there, there are. There's a lot of excitement in Baltimore about the Ravens offensively, and part of that is because there's been so little excitement in our history with the Baltimore Ravens offensively. So even having three what we think to be competent wide receivers on a roster at the same time is like earth shattering here. Like we didn't know that you were allowed to have that many competent wide receivers on the roster at the same my time. My kids drafted two of them in their fantasy draft last night. My daughter took Dave Flowers and my son took Rashad Bateman. This is so not something, we are not used to this in these parts, but are we are we getting too carried away? Like, Do we need to remind ourselves that, hey, it's still a first-year coordinator, a couple of receivers that are coming off of serious injuries, a quarterback who's coming off a of serious injury? Like, what, what, what should realistically be the way that we'd be looking at this? that you're patient if September is a little bumpy offensively and defensively for that matter. And, you know, back in the day, that's sort of how the Ravens would start seasons under John Harbaugh. They would always start slow and, and figure things out, especially defensively as it went along. I, I could see that with, with this team, but to me, they're for a team that didn't change their head coach and quarterback, they are, li- they are the biggest wild card X factor, whatever word you want to put on it. Boomer bust team in the entire NFL. Like you could, I think they're Super Bowl contenders, but you could tell me that they start their season four and five, and I wouldn't be totally shocked about that either. But I think the ceiling is so high that you guys aren't too excited. I think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl, and that's that's all you can ask for, I guess. (laughs) No, I tend to think that's the case. It's weird that we're going into a season and almost like the bigger concerns are on the other side of the ball, right? Like where I just – Dude, I simply don't know with as little depth as they have at edge rush and cornerback. I, I almost think yeah. the awkward spot is that they kind of have to be a much better offensively. That as much as you say yeah. you got to have patience, I, I don't know how much time you have for that. Like I think this offense kind of has to start clicking early because if this comes down to you getting stops, I I love Roquan Smith, man, and I think their defensive line is is talented and young and good, but Dude, with, with that little at edge rushing corner, I have got some serious concerns about their ability to win game, win one possession games if uh, you're facing yeah. real quarterbacks late. You know, the way uh, Mike McDonald coached up that defense by the end of the year where, where I thought they were a top five defense at the, at the very least by the end of the year really gives me confidence that he's a good coach. I think Clowney's actually going to be a sneaky, valuable pickup for you, give you 500 good snaps they, they usually figure things out on the defensive side so I'm not totally concerned but the difference with them and and this is true of a lot of teams this year is like the divisions are all so imbalanced like the the AFC East the AFC North the NFC East are just so good yeah that there's gonna have to be teams that I think if they were just in one of the other four or five divisions would have good seasons or would have a much better chance to make the playoffs and that's those are 12 teams there that I actually think all of them, including your uh, neighboring commanders, could be pretty good. And, like, someone's getting left behind in that AFC North. Like, or two teams are. And 
I'm not, I really don't know who it is. I hope it's the Browns. That's that's what I hope. Yeah, well, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I, well, I mean, for multiple obvious reasons. I hope that's the case as well. No, you, mine is just one reason. It's no, I know. I know. You, yes, you don't care about the other side of it. But I, I think your reason no, is a very I good don't. reason that everybody should feel oh, the same. Oh, what? You're mad, you're mad at them? You're mad at them for uh, No, I, it's just they're in the same, they're in the same. No, it's team? in the same division. <laughs> you're never going to okay. want. Yeah. I, I, I swear to God, there were a couple Ravens fans a couple years ago who were like, I don't know. I. I kind of want to see them succeed because it's a good story. I said, what? No, like, that's silly. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? But that division's good. Steelers are good. Bengals are yeah. really good. And uh, it's just it's hard to know who's going to fall short. And it could be the Ravens. You just lose some close games and suddenly it gets negative. All right. Uh, what is your schedule like as we move into the regular season in the NFL? Where do we see and hear you? Well, that's why I like this week. It's like the last peaceful week but yeah around the nfl we're doing we're doing five shows a week we're doing some extra nfl plus shows sign up for nfl plus why not you know i think i'm getting i think i have nfl plus now i gotta go back and check i think i've got i know I'm, i feel like such a company man but someone my, my buddy was texting me and especially if you don't have like youtube tv basically if you don't have cable or youtube tv like you get all you get all the games all your local and, and prime time games on that that alone is enough and, and scott hansen on red Zone, that's enough and yeah. us yeah, yeah get that. Get on that. Get on that already. <laughs> At uh, Greg Rosenthal on Twitter. Let's talk again as we get to the end of the tournament. Love you, buddy. See you, Glenn. Thanks, pal. That's uh, my friend Greg, who's a big network star, and appreciate him slumming with us still all these years later. That means the world to me. Oh, Matteo Berrettini's playing right now, too. I put on Ons because I love Greg, and Greg loves Ons, but Matteo Berrettini's just so handsome that I kind of want to watch him play tennis. Matteo... What? I don't know. I like Did the that, name. You, I like the name. You had nothing to offer, so you yeah, just like said Mateo. the name Mateo. Well, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? They don't call him the best oh, color yes, analyst uh, in baseball Mateo. for nothing. But well, that's well, okay not for you to not have anything to say. Oh, so I should just, just But you, all you, you, do you think you added something by just saying Mateo? Well, Mateo? so the reason I, I, I watched uh, the, 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 my, don't, you're so not invited to my bat mitzvah. Oh, okay. There's, is there? there's, a, there's a character, there's a kid named Mateo. See, now that is, at, now you're actually adding something. Oh, now I am. And I have not seen that film. Was it good? Uh, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, it was you know. I've 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 heard Adam things Sandler, about it. Like I I enjoyed it. Um, but was he was it an Adam Sandler movie? No, it was mostly about you know his daughter and. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, I, if it's an story. Adam Sandler movie, I'm probably out on it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you know, he he's got his scenes, his like you know his his funny quips. Like his character was funny, but you know he wasn't the star of the movie. It was it was about his thirteen year old daughter. Did he write it? Did he? Um. Well, so his whole family, like the daughter. I know they're all in it. His, I understand yeah. that, but did, like this is what I want to know. I don't think he. Well, I mean, I would assume he had something to do with the writing. It was produced by Adam Sandler, so that's concerning. Starring, that's concerning. Well, I mean, concerning. yeah, it's a Happy Madison. I don't. I need. Production. I need writer, and I need. I need writer, and I need director. That's what I need. Where, it was where do Allison I find? Peck. Written by Allison Peck, directed by Sammy Cohen. So it's got a chance. It's got a chance. If he was not involved with the intimate filmmaking, if it was just what does he mean? I want my daughters to be in a movie. So here's some money. Put my daughters in a movie. There's a chance. There's a chance that it's good. But if it involves him in a more intimate way, forget it. Forget what don't it. you like uh, that he's done? Everything. Oh. All of them. Everything? Since, when was the last good? Uncut Gems? Everything. Well, but that was not an Adam Sandler movie. That was oh, a Safdie okay. Brothers movie that he, again, he can. He happened to be in. <laughs> right. But everything post, starting with Little Nicky. Okay. Read it Read it off for me. Like, go um, back to Little Nicky, and then I, there maybe there was one. Because, like, okay, 
obviously Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, the wedding singer, the water boy, like that's that he had a, a streak that would make Joe DiMaggio blush there to start his career. But it all turned around Little Nicky. Like after Little Nicky. Jack and Jill, obviously. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, 51st no, it, Dates. Okay, 51st Dates was still good. 51st Dates was still a good movie. I guess he was just, he just acted in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The Longest Yard. I, I, probably the best of everything we're going to say moving forward. It was palatable, but not good. He was a producer for The Benchwarmers. Yeah, but that wasn't a, I mean, that was just a, that, everything about that was. Dumb. Click. Oh, <laughs> atrocious. Uh, Chuck and Larry. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh,. N- n- do you like Kevin James? Hang on a second. It, <laughs> Chuck and Larry, again, in comparison to some of these other films on this list, not as bad, certainly not good. That was around... I forgot to put Big Daddy on the list of the mm. in the, the hit streak. Um, that Chuck and Larry was when you started to realize that the wobbity-woo thing could not work anymore. Like, you, he... You didn't... They, you were no longer there for that. Like, that part of Adam Sandler's life was over as far as just entertaining people with the, with the wah-wee-woo. Like, that you couldn't... It was over at that point. 2007, market. So after that... Uh, after that, Bedtime Stories in 2008. I like that Don't know one. what that was. That was that was a very kid's movie, but... Uh, okay, then know, it does, doesn't, even, doesn't even qualify. I liked it a lot. Uh, Paul Blart. He was a <sighs> producer for Paul Blart. Cool. Well, I mean, he produced this, so it's not a good sign. Grown-ups. I like grown-ups. No, of course you like grown-ups. Of course. It was terrible. <laughs> the the grown-ups franchise was an abomination. It was dreadful. Uh, Zookeeper with Kevin James. He apparently voiced the... Uh, okay, the that the doesn't count. That's not really an Adam Sandler. It wasn't boy, good. Producer. It wasn't good, but I don't want to pile on. Again, Jack and Jill. Uh, that's My Boy. That's My Boy is the most offensive motion picture ever made. What? That's My Boy is so bad... That's my. I had to put. This is. I tell you what makes me the most offended about that's my boy, is that was the only year when I used to go do the Super Bowl every year. They would. I got the. I got connected with a lot of people in the Happy Madison universe. Uh, Peter Gee. Dante uh, became a friend. Of course, you know him as the star of Grandma's Boy. He was a big lacrosse guy. Played at Hofstra. Okay. You know, like was a dude that liked uh, reggae music and smoking weed and I and, and lacrosse and so like Peter Dante and I developed dream. we we developed a kinship right like we became friends and he would come on the show regularly he he had some demons that he had to deal with a little bit later on so I I kind of I don't know I haven't talked to Peter Dante in a while although if I reached out to him I have no doubt that uh, you know it'd be it'd be great I'd love hearing his voice I love Peter Dante but that was the only time that they said hey Adam wants to come by and do the show and I think it's because wasn't that the one that Rex Ryan was in? Was that the one? I think you're right. I believe that was the one that Rex Ryan had a part in. Uh, yes, and Rex Ryan. Wait, he was Dan Patrick was also in it. Well, Dan Patrick was in like a hundred of yeah. them. Dan Patrick was in like every Adam wait, he was, movie. He, he was Jim. It was. It says Rex Ryan as Jim Nance. Was that? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. No, that I, doesn't. I thought Rex Ryan was just like Rex, Rex Ryan. Ryan. That's what I remember yeah, too. I thought that was the case. Whatever. But Rex Ryan was in that film. So they said, Adam wants to come by. Now, when Adam came by, it was like a, a mob scene coming with him. Because at the time, he was still a Hollywood megastar. So Adam comes to your table. And if, if you don't know how the radio wor- row thing works at the Super Bowl, these tables are like three feet away from each other. So there's no room. And yet, 
300 people descend upon you. And everybody's staring, and are you going to ask the wrong questions, and this whole thing. And it becomes nightmarish, where I'm just like, I don't even know if... I just want to talk to the guy about Chris Farley. That's all I want to do is have a 10-minute conversation with Adam Sandler about Chris Farley. Um, Now, Adam Sandler was a nice enough guy, but he really put over... Because I remember asking a question like, dude, uh, it's been a couple shaky ones in here. And he like, personally sold me. He's like, dude, this is... If you like anything we've ever done... This is going to you're going to love oh, this film. He was promoting that's my boy. That's my boy. Said, okay. Like he and and I remember asking in a way like and this is after Jack and Jill and right. like Adam. Like it's been a it's been a tough little stretch here. It was, it was like, grown up Jack and Jill. S- sell well, me on was good. No, it wasn't. Made a lot of money though. It it was it was made a, a second one. A hit. I like that one. It was too. a hit at the box office. They were both atrocious. No. Um I I said, tell me this is this is going to be a little bit better. And he swore to me it was the best, like, Happy Madison movie ever made. And and he might have even used that phrase. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And the fact that they let... It's so goddamn unforgivable that they let it all up to being an incest story. I've never been more furious that I spent time with a motion picture in my life. Like... It's so atrociously... Like, they did that whole thing and didn't say, like, maybe anything other than the story being about incest. Maybe anything but that. Maybe we we handle this somehow so that that's not the thing and pretend like that's a wacky bit. It was so ungodly bad that there was no coming back for me. At that point, it, it was the end of the road. It was it was painfully unfunny to begin with. I mean, it was an unfunny film, and then that was what the big the big scene at the end of the film was an incest storyline. Get the entire f out of here with that. I guess I liked it because I was I was twelve. Get out! It was <laughs> well, and awful. He named his son Han Solo. God. So that was funny. Bad. So bad. Uh, moving, I guess, move, moving along. Grown Ups 2 was the next year. Yeah, bad. Um, he also produced Here Comes the Boom, I, Kevin James. You know what's funny? <laughs> I accidentally had to watch that movie, and I'll, I'll, I won't really give away the circumstances because it's pretty funny how I accidentally had to watch that movie. Um, well, it was... Well, why can't you give it away? Well, I've, t- I've talked about this oh, before. Okay. I've talked about it before. I, for those that don't know, I, at one point, had to serve a weekend in jail. Oh really? I had a DUI and oh. I got the DUI in Arizona. I've talked about it openly. I, I Arizona comes with a mandatory 10-day jail sentence and it was an awkward circumstance but I had to serve part of it um here in Maryland in Baltimore County and here comes the boom was what the boys chose. Like there was one TV for everybody to share and they put on here comes the boom. Well there's nothing else to do. So you watched it. So I watched Here Comes the Boom. And maybe in the circumstances of it's this or nothing, I was like, this isn't, I have seen worse films. It's definitely not good. I cannot pretend like it was good in any way. It's theater of the absurd. But I don't know. By the standard of these Adam Sandler movies, it wasn't the worst film I've ever seen. And some of these are in the qualification, in the running. That's My Boy is absolutely in the running for the worst motion picture I've ever seen in my life. 
that one is not good, but it's not in that category. It's not in Jack and Jill territory. It's something above that that, again, doesn't cross the line. And a, a Neil Diamond MMA flick is not what I thought I was sitting down to watch with the boys at uh, the Baltimore County Correction Center that night. Um, yes, I've told that story before, but okay. I, we always have a new audience that comes along, and I don't know how much they know it. But, yes, yeah. I, I got a DUI. That's why I part of the reason I don't drink. Um, oh. It's why I'm I'm so hell-bent whenever we get to a holiday weekend. When we get, uh, By the way, I don't think we're going to do a show on Friday this week. I think we're going to make it a four-day weekend. Um, but on Thursday, I'll end the show, and I'll hammer you about. Like I, I hate that I had to learn my lesson. I hate that. I hate that I put myself and others at risk. In order to learn my lesson, but I sure as F learned my lesson, and it's something I never did again. And it's why whenever we talk about athletes, I, I understand. Like, people make mistakes once, and it's awful. But you get one, and you have to learn from it, or I have no, you know, like, I, I hate, I wish that I would have never had to have learned my lesson. I wish that I would have understood from day one never to do it. But I sure as F learned my lesson, and it's why I'm on, I, I am absolutely all over everyone about it. I don't mess around with this. Do not. Like, my wife gets furious with me because she'll have like two beers or two angry orchards and I'll be like, I'm going to drive. And she'll say, I had two angry orchards. I said, you don't, you don't need to. I can drive. I had zero angry orchards. Don't do it. Don't do it. Period. But yes, the, the circumstances were that I watched Here Comes the Boom gotcha. in a prison. With, you? with other inmates. Okay. Yes, that's what that happened. Sounds like it might have been yes. fun, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in, 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 we, I remember one night we watched Here Comes the Boom, the next night we watched the Grammys. Like, that was that was the viewing yeah. schedule. Because it had to be like a general agreement. Gotcha. Uh, nice. I remember that, that, that whatever the day was the Grammys were on, I also got the Maryland basketball game was that afternoon, so I was able to convince everyone. That was the only thing I fought for. The weekend <laughs> the that turkey. I was, was, I would like to watch the Maryland basketball <laughs> game if possible, and they were agreeable to it. They were like... Uh, and Maryland was bad at the time, so I was like, oh, no. I don't know if anybody's going to want to do this. Uh, did you happen to see uh, Blended 2014? Oh, this is Drew Barrymore. Oh, I don't. They went to Africa. I don't think I ever watched it from start to finish, but I think it's something that I've seen pop up on, like, USA over the years, and I've watched enough of it to know not a good film. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's I don't not, hate it. It's not a good film. Uh, Pixels? What was he? Oh, he Pixels. Was, yeah, Pixels. God. Oh, what an ab- And that was still yeah, when they were Pixels trying to convince that like, he could make a summer blockbuster. And it was years beyond any point at which he was capable of making a summer blockbuster. There was a Paul Blart 2. I completely forgot Why about. Why would there be? About Paul Blart 2. There used um, to be a proper country. The Do-Over with David Spade. Well, remind me what The Do-Over was because uh, I do vaguely a, remember a this. comedy buddy action film. Um, I also don't remember this one either. Yeah. The Do-Over. I don't the think there was anything there. Right, I don't think there was anything there. Along. Yep. Catherine Hahn was in it. Sure. Uh, Wait, Catherine. Catherine. Who was it? Catherine Hahn. Han, okay. Yes. I, thought I, was like, yes. I thought you said Heigl for a second. No, I was like, no. Um, then nothing. Yeah, 2017 looks like he took the year off. Sandy Wexler? I don't remember that one either. I, I don't. Sandy Wexler. Wasn't that the uh, the, the child? Wasn't that like a Nick Swardson movie about a child star? Um, he That he would have been involved with, I'm sure, because Nick yeah. Swardson was part of his Rob little. Rob Schneider was in it. Terry Crews. Ni- James, Nick Swardson. That oh, was Netflix. It went to Netflix. Nick Swardson joined the team this- like after it stunk. <laughs> Poor Nick Swardson doesn't have any of the hits. So, like he wasn't involved with any of the good movies. He only was involved with all of the dreadful crap movies that they made. So, 2016-17 was when he went to Netflix. So now yeah. all of his movies were Netflix, I guess, except for Uncut Gems. Right. And, um, then, and, and Murder Mystery in 2019. 
That was that's the one with Jennifer Aniston. They made the, the uh, Murder Mystery two, I think, earlier this year. I sure as hell did not watch those. Uncut films. Gems was 2019. That, again, oh no, I'm thinking Bucky Larson was the Nick Swardson movie, so I don't know what Sandy Wexler was. Hoobie Halloween. Yeah, that's the one that like people try to swear to me was actually good, and there's just no chance. I will not. I can't do that to my. I don't hate myself enough to find out if people are right about this. Is Home Team? Home Team is the is that the uh, the the um. Uh, Sean Payton, that's the Kevin James Sean Payton oh, one. Oh, God. Home team. Jeez. He's a producer for that, of course. Christ. Murder Mystery 2, yes, earlier this year. Uh, and then You Are So Not Invited. I, You know what? Yeah, I mean, since... It's so bad, dude. Of the ones it's I've seen since you went to so Netflix, uh, I would say, I guess, my, Nick Swar- not invited my mom. Nick Swardson got in on Grandma's Boy, which Grandma's Boy was still fine, right? Like, that was still a good, good enough film, or at least it was fun enough. And then Nick Swardson's run was Click... You know, I, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Oh, you forgot you don't mess with the Zohan in there. You didn't oh. mention that one, which is definitely a dreadful movie. Um, bedtime Stories. Bucky Larson, Born to be a... St- no, it wasn't. Jack and Jill, it. That's My Boy. Grown up. Is a kid's Nick movie. Swardson got none of the original run of all of the great films and only all of the garbage movies that Happy Madison made for the rest of their... Um, existence. Poor, poor Nick. He was in Sandy Wexler too. What the hell was Sandy Wexler? We're coming more around a bed. Bedtime stories was great. They, you know, uh, I'm not gonna spend any time with bedtime stories. I won't be doing that. Uh, um, wasn't the wrong Russell Brand the, was in it? He was great in it. Russell Brand was amazing. The wrong Missy was a, a Happy Madison film of some sort. I don't know anything yeah. about it. I can't pretend like it's something I that I would watch. Either. But I feel like somebody told me it might not be that bad, and I just well, I, no chance. You know, no give chance. Uh, you are still not invited my bot miss, but chance. I, uh, I I I enjoyed it. Mm. You're not. I don't think you're gonna. Well, Probably I gonna pass. there's a lot of pop music in it. I enjoy, I like pop music. I'm not sure. I like pop music too. If it's yeah. good, I don't. They play. I mean, they just if it's Taylor so Swift, much, I'll pass. They play so much where it's like a lot of it's like oh yeah yeah, and then they play one where it's like I don't know what this is. And, you're just kind of waiting. All right. This is, but that, they that's, play it. that's this portion of the program. Uh, if you have not picked up the print issue of Pressbox yet, go get it today at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, or read it all at pressboxonline.com. Lamar Jackson cover story from Bo Smolka, all about the contract era for Lamar Jackson. Again, go get it right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Tidbit. You know, I actually have something for Tidbit today. Uh-oh. Tidbit of the day brought to you today by Superbook. Use the code GlennClark23. I would have told you to bet on Matteo Berrettini. He's already up a set against Umber, the 29th seed at the U.S. Open. I don't know if you can still get the right odds in order to make it qualify, but if you can, I would do it. I like Matteo Berrettini today. Go to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23. And your first bet will be matched up to $250, win or lose, with Superbook. What you got? Uh, Mookie Betts homered again. Uh, He is the second player now in MLB history with consecutive seasons of 35 home runs or more as the leadoff hitter. He joins... This player who did it in 2002. We're, really do, we're doing this. It's it's you're you're removing know, stolen bases, well, but it's the same concept. I know. Well, it's it's a quick one. And when? What 2002 year? and 2003. This leadoff hitter. 2002 and Soriano. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. Uh, with his next home run, Ronald Acuna will become the first player in MLB history to join the 3060 club. He's at 29 home runs. He's, I mean, he, for the for what it's worth, he is the first 29-60 No, there you as go. Well. Congratulations. But, yeah, so Cunha. And, and that means that everybody nice, has to run out on the field to try to say hello oh, to man. God, what a weird. That was Everything about wild. that was so bizarre, man. Uh, Holy Rodriguez is, uh, he's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, I hear he's good. <laughs> five four-plus hit games 
are the most by any player in a 10-game span. He had it is weird to me that they, they moved in the first place and like nobody really noticed. It was, uh, let's see, the Orioles won the series against them. And then yes. I, have they not lost? I, I guess they've lost since. but Yeah, I mean, and, they've been on fire. Uh, Julio has 28 hits in that 10-game span. It's the most This is what happens when we don't go this week in the rest of baseball. Yeah, we forget what Why happens. Would we don't, I thought we were supposed to have an intern this semester. I gotta figure out who that was supposed to be. We might need another intern because we might not have an intern. I'm not sure what's going on. I thought in the summer I lined up an intern, but I've already forgotten what his name was. Was I think I might. It was somebody who didn't like sports. I think I might remember who it is. Okay. I, should, I shouldn't just say his name, I guess. No, but you can check in. Okay. Like you could do that. <laughs> but we might need another intern because we definitely need somebody to do the TikTok page because oh, nobody's yeah. doing it right now and we're falling behind and we're doing no in original TikTok content unless. Carson started doing the AMSR old-timey baseball names. Oh, yeah. And he was supposed to tell us if he was starting that. Find out what's going on with that, too. Okay. Those are your two assignments. Track down our intern. Carson. Find out when Carson's going to do the AMSR uh, baseball names. And and if you know someone who's looking for an internship and would like to talk about terrible Adam Sandler movies, glennclarkradio at gmail.com. We are in the market for interns. I, if If it's a formal internship, it must be for credit. If... I'm willing to, like Grant, for the example this summer, have somebody come in, you know, maybe once a week. If it's not, if it's just trying to get their foot in the door, I'm willing to do that. But it can't do much more than that if it's not a formal internship. So glennclarkradio at gmail.com if you know somebody who needs an internship for the fall. 28 hits in a 10-game span are the second most uh, ever. Wait, wait, let me restart here. Most by a player in a 10-game span since 1997. Uh, who did it in 1997? Had 28 hits in the 10 game span. Yeah. Uh, uh, 97. Derek Jeter. Not Derek Jeter. I guess I'll just give you. It was Kenny Lofton. Oh, I love Kenny Lofton. Yeah. I wish I would have known that. That's yeah. awesome. Kenny Lofton love is who Kenny Julio Lofton. joins. Obsessed Kenny the Lofton. The only fan. other player you'll love this one. The only, only other player with uh, more hits in a 10 game span. Uh, 28 or more in 1933. Heine Manush. Oh, Heine! That was my next guess. Heine Manush. God, I love. Please make sure that the fir- that that Heine Manush shows up in the first AMSR old timey baseball names. Okay. Please Heine. make sure he includes Heine Manush in that. Manush. Uh, um, and then uh, Jay Kuda helps me with my actually uh yeah Jay Kuda helps me with my last one here. He had uh he he tweeted out the top ten active. Well, with Strasburg retiring, he is of course not in the top mm-hmm. ten active home run leaders by number one overall picks. Can Active you, number number one overall pick. Can you can you rank who has the m- most home runs? How many home runs they've hit? Yes. And Steven Strasburg would have been on that list. Yes, because with four, but he retired. So. Oh, then I'm not sure that I can. If we're talking about other <laughs> players that have hit four or Active number one picks, who has the most home? Uh, runs? That means that Adley Rutschman's on the list. He is on the list. Yes, he has 29. Where does that put him on the list? That will put him... So there's two guys that I'm trying to figure out. There's two guys that are f- technically haven't retired yet. Technically haven't yeah, retired and they would, but, yet. But uh, they're technically, yes, not active because they're not on a roster either. So I'll say that they are... I'll say that they're unactive. So that would put Adley at they're fifth. They're unactive. If they're active, Adley would be seventh. This is really weird, man. Well, it's not um, picks, most home runs. Okay, well... I just gotta start naming number one picks then. How yeah. about um Oh god. Now uh, Bryce Harper. Yes, Bryce Harper is number one. Two hundred and ninety eight. Unless this guy who was drafted in two thousand five is the number one overall pick. He last played for the Mariners last year. 
and he has not been. Oh, Justin like, Upton? Justin Upton. Justin He's not Upton. active. I can't believe he played last year, though. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he was with. He played for, like, I think half a month or something with the Mariners. I don't remember that even a little bit. He has 325, so he would be number one, but, yeah, as you say, inactive. So Harper is the number one. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of th- Dansby Swanson was a number one Dansby pick, wasn't Swanson he? is top three, 121. Harper, second. Now, oh, oh, Carlos Correa was a number one pick, of Carlos course. Carlos Correa with 171. So Harper, Correa, Swanson, Adley is fifth. Now it's a bunch of pitchers. So th- is no, that the bit? No, there's uh, there's well, there is one one more pitcher. Yeah, uh, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is tenth <laughs> with three home runs in his career. I genuinely don't remember who the next couple of number one pick. Well, they would all be. Uh, oh, Spencer Torkelson was number one. Spencer pick. Torkelson has thirty one, so he is two ahead of Adley. So that's your top five. And Henry Davis made it the major. Henry leagues. Davis has five home runs. Two more. Guy that almost flamed out was yeah was the 2016 and 2017 number one overall picks so are the next two. I don't, and that's the thing. I'm yeah. I'm totally blanking on who those guys were. An era where the Orioles weren't picking that high, and currently one is currently with the Angels. He was not drafted by the Angels. The other one is currently with the Twins, who he was drafted by. It wasn't Kadir. It wasn't. God, that's gonna drive me nuts. Currently with the so current twins. Buxton wasn't a number one overall pick. No, he wasn't. Hey. I believe he debuted this year or I debuted at the end of last year. Yeah, debuted last year. Give me a position. He is a infielder, shortstop. Oh, Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis has ten home runs. And the finally the Angel. He's an angel drafted by the Phillies. In 2016. That give me a position. Uh, he is also actually he's an outfielder. Well, it's not Trout. It's not Mike Trout. His, it looked I, like his career was going to be over before the before he went over to the Angels. I don't, remem- I don't remember. Mickey Moniak. Mickey Moniak has 17 home runs this season. Could have been here for a mm-hmm. minute. Uh, Tim Beckham would be the other one who played last year but has not been picked Tim up Beckham's since. Tim Beckham's still in. Right, he has 63 home runs, uh, so he would be fourth if you considered him yeah, active. He's, he's not. That's a weird list, bro. Really weird list. It's a fun one. Uh, Jamison Hensley tweeted this yesterday. Under John Harbaugh, the Ravens are 14-2, and two, an mm. 875 winning percentage when playing against rookie starting quarterbacks in Baltimore. Lock of course, in. as we know, Ravens will open the season against C.J. Stroud, a rookie starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. So my question for you, Griffin, Uh who are the two rookie quarterbacks who beat the Ravens at home? Oh, man. I had to go to the comments. I had to go to the comments again because that's all I could think of. And I was – no offense to Jamison. God bless him. Uh, Ravens beat writer for ESPN. Would have been good information to share when you shared this tidbit. (laughs) It would have been nice to know. Um, well, no, I want everybody to guess. Uh, so this is under Harbaugh? Under John Harbaugh. Under John Harbaugh, the Ravens are 14-2 and two when playing against rookie starting quarterbacks in Baltimore. Who are the two? Um, Jeez. Gosh. Who came into Baltimore and beat the Ravens? I rem- um, for what it's worth, I remembered. Did, did, I remembered. I, did, I didn't get either one of them. I Afterwards, I remembered some of the details of them. 
Did they lose to the Bears? When they did lose to the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky was indeed in in 2017. The only thing I remember from that game was Adrian Amos' uh, interception return Mm -hmm. for a touchdown because it was a Baltimore guy, and that kind of kind of changed everything. Barely remember that game. I must Uh, not have been able to watch it. it Over it was an overtime win for the um, for the Bears that day. And then the other one, jeez. Well, that was, that was 2017. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it before or after? I guess it was before, since I can't think of it. Gosh, I'm trying to think of good rookies. Just just thinking, uh, did they – no, because I guess Andrew Luck was the playoff game, was the only time he came here. So not Andrew Luck. Oh, uh, no, that was in, that was in Washington. Robert III. Griffin III, yeah. yeah. Um, just because they were kind of good, I guess. Did, no, they, they, we always beat the Bucks. so not Jameis. Not it's a game that happened on New Year's Day. New Year's Day happened on New Year's Day. Did no? Yeah, Joe Burrow. Not, no, not Joe Burrow. Oh, what if Kenny, I, Kenny Pickett? What if I told you to have it on New Year's Day, twenty twenty three? Yeah, Kenny Pickett came into Kenny Baltimore. Pickett, week seventeen. Exactly yeah, week 17. right. Those man. are the two. Those are the two. I struggle with it too, man. Yeah, I struggle with it too. It's coming up totally tubular-wise. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. For some reason, despite the fact that the Orioles were on Masson 2 last night and the Nationals are playing, they go to Masson tonight. I don't understand this week. Masson 2 last night, Masson tonight, Masson 2 tomorrow night. Makes no bloody sense. Uh, White Sox Orioles, 7 o'clock. Jesse Schultons and Dean Kramer, the pissing, pitching matchup. The pissing matchup. Yes. <laughs> U.S. Open coverage throughout the day on ESPN. Uh, tonight, the primetime matches are Venus Williams and Carlos Alcaraz's openers. Um, baseball the rest of the day. You can find it at glennclarkradio.com. Minnesota Lynx, Washington Mystics at 7 on NBA TV and NBC Sports Washington. Uh, CBS Sports Network has Phoenix Mercury, Atlanta Dream at 7, Chicago Sky, LA Sparks at 10, the USA Network for WWE NXT at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, not a whole lot. Well, it is Hard Knocks night on HBO uh, at 10 o'clock, episode so 4. Is, how many more are There's there? There's one more next one more. Tuesday. Okay. Uh, then a new episode of Only Murders and a new episode at 9 o'clock on Disney+. Plus. I guess it's Ahsoka. time for me to finally start Only Murders. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I this guess is it's the deep fifth, enough. This is the fifth okay. episode. All right. This is the fifth episode. I haven't started yet either. Decided to watch my bot, you know, the bot. Yeah, it was, it's very important. <laughs> you couldn't miss out on that. Well, the problem for me this week is I'll be watching tennis. That's what's mm-hmm. going to be going on in my life is I'll be watching tennis. You can start a Soko too, though. You know. I'm good. I think you have to, you, you should good. probably watch the Rebel series. Yeah, before. probably, probably should. I tell you what, I promise that as soon as I finish the Rebel series, yeah, you'll watch I'll start a Soko. Okay. All right. All right. Whatever well, day in my life I finish the Rebel series. I'll start a soap. And you, right? well, trust me, you're, not trust me, before. you will, because once yeah. you finish that, you're going to be like, what's happening Yeah, next? gotta, gotta do that. Soka. Very good. All right, thanks today to Greg Rosenthal. Thanks also today to Nathan Ruiz, as well as to our friend Gavin Sheets. We'll get it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow on the program. Tomorrow, we will go to Aberdeen, catch up with Logan, uh, Logan Reinhardt, who came over in that Seattle trade at the deadline. And okay. he hasn't a lot of runs since uh, he joined the Ironbirds. All right. Uh, Greg Olson as well. Ah, I love Greg Ol- Olson. Now the Orioles broadcast booth. Yeah, I didn't realize when I I, I... I told Griffin to call Greg Olson just because he'd be a good person to talk about the bullpen with the Felix mm-hmm. Batista injury, and I had no clue that he was, he was working the games. I, I figured, no I figured that's why he told me. 
No, and I had no idea. Because well, when, when he showed up last night, yeah, I was like, oh, I had no idea that he was working the games. Just thought it'd be a good person to talk about it. The bullpen. That's all. Uh, and then I guess Drew, right? Or, unless I guess. you don't want to. Uh, let's see what our other options are. Okay. All right. Let's see what our. We're trying to pack a lot of things into a short yeah. amount of time because I'm uh, making it a four day week. So um, let's see what our options are before we commit to anything there. What the hell are we going to talk about with Drew? Victor Hovland. Yeah, apparently he, he did something cool, right? He won money. He won a bunch of money. Drew's. Oh, it's today when they end. I swear to God, Drew has somehow made three months worth of Ryder Cup conversation. He just keeps mentioning it every time. Like, he I, it. I swear, to, but it's not just here. I like. I happened to listen to the golf show on the way into doing well, my show the other day. Show, right? But like, did people care that much about who picked for the Ryder Cup? It's like I guess golf people do. Yeah. Nobody cares that much about who's picked for the the U.S. to talk about it for three months. It's very weird. Very weird. Jake, Jake Funk was waived by the Colts. I do like me some Jake Funk. He's great. Bradley guy. Roby uh, once had he seven was... touchdowns in a game. You know, at Damascus. Yeah. Bradley Roby was uh, released by the Saints. So, okay, that's well, definitely a, a veteran cornerback. Yeah. I I don't I don't know that it's he's the, the answer, but he doesn't he does play the position. You're right about that. <laughs> Thanks everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including <laughs> just gonna start naming every cornerback. Malcolm gonna, Butler. I want to keep a live camera on Griffin today. He's just gonna name all of the cornerbacks that are being released. And then shrugging his shoulders. That's all we're going to do. Yeah, you mean We're going to have... You could probably play. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners. Visit Is Baltimore. Is really worse than Kevon Seymour? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Visit Baltimore. Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, the Maryland Cycling Classic, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore what? Another one? Will Lutz was traded to the Broncos. Oh, Reunite with Sean Breaking Bateman. news. These are the moments that we live for. Uh, follow him under uh, – I really, I really think that all day on Twitter, whenever a cornerback's getting released, you should just – Retweet it with the shrug emoji. Okay. I really wish that you would do that all day. Why not? Just every cornerback that you see is released, shrug emoji. Nothing else. Or take a picture of yourself shrugging. That would be even better. I would like for you to do content today. That would be wonderful. All right. Uh, the same picture every time. <laughs> I would really like it. I would really like it if you did that, actually. If you want to do it from our account, you can do it from our account. It's good content. All right. I'm not opposed to it. Follow him on Twitter at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks.